So that's that's you. That's me. This is Badass Records, episode four. <laughs> Tanya Sieber. Hey. How are you? You do you do how to get up. So sometimes I'll I like. I need to be closer. Well, just a little bit. Um. How's this? How's this that? is great. I like that hip movement a lot. <laughs> We're drinking beers. It's yeah. after five o'clock. So. We're drinking a beer called Escape, which is a West Coast IPA. And I'm pretty sure by, um, oh, it's only 7.1% alcohol content, but it feels like a double IPA to me. Doesn't you it say feel- only. When I see five plus, I'm like, whoo. Okay. Oh, we're in different leagues. <laughs> <laughs> we're in different leagues, baby. Uh, well, I'm in the eight and a half is my limit. That's that's tall. Um, with beer, um, I'm <laughs> typically pretty paranoid about processing the sugar out the next day. Um. Oh, what should I be paranoid about that? Not if you wake up feeling fine. Oh, that's where the hangover comes from. Yeah. Your body trying to process the mm-hmm, sugar. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was dehydration. Well, it's that too. It's a combination. Because okay, I have some water right here. As yeah, well. I, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I go like I'll keep a pale ale on hand, but I'll also keep some Guinness and some Miller Lite on hand and just mix it up a little bit. Yeah, you but, gotta keep a balance. There. But I'll also, you know, like have a <clears throat> cocktail or two before. I like gin. Okay. How do you feel about gin? I don't um, do the brown liquors. Like I don't like whiskey or scotch or rum or anything in that category. I used to feel the same way, but um, I'm uh, my buddy that was in town left a nice bottle of tequila and a nice bottle of tequila is not a brown liquor. Well, there, but it, I don't it, do that either. The though. añejo, not the not the oh. clear. Oh yeah, and then a nice bottle of rum too. And he's only buying uh, liquors that there's something about the processing that doesn't have any sugar added, oh. so he doesn't get hungover. I, I still do if I. I feel like I could learn a lot from you about hangover prevention. <laughs> could we do a, an episode on hangover prevention? I, I know nothing about. I'm fifty, and I don't yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. That uh, world very well. It's it's not fun, mm-hmm. um, especially with little children and a puppy that like no mercy, you know. No mercy. Got to be up. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is exciting because uh, you actually have something to plug, and okay. you should do it now. We'll do it again later, but okay. um, tell mm. everybody. You know, all seven viewers or whatever this is going to generate. You're a musician. All seven of you. Yeah. And uh, you have some older stuff. A year, like you just had the one year anniversary of. Yes. I released my first album. Um, I tried to do it on my birthday last year. It was delayed a couple days because I had some family drama. Are you a big birthday girl? I didn't think I was. Oh, boy. But you hit 50 and you're like, that's, that's what's it up. It's a fucking great birthday. And now I think every birthday should be celebrated okay. to the maximum extent that it can be. Birthdays are important. You know, they mark, you're marking time. These are milestones. That's right. Now I'm recalling that you were telling me about 
the moon and crystals and sage and more crystals and sage than any woman should have. I think you said. So you're like the day your day your day yeah matters. It can't be any of the other 364 of that year. It's that day. It's an important okay. It's an important milestone. Not just my birthday. Like your birthday is important. Right. To you. Right. Right. Uh, everybody in my family thinks that I hate birthdays because I try very hard to minimize, minimize. attention because mm-hmm. I feel like everybody else is like, it's my birthday month next week or, you know, they have nine plans surrounding the 14 days and I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay. So I well, feel like I'm trying to counter. When you become a parent, your own birthday um, stops mattering. Right. Right. It doesn't matter to anybody else and it doesn't matter to you anymore. And it certainly doesn't matter to your kids. Well, I mean, my kids care a little bit. Oh, mine don't. Now. I mean, they might not when they're. Mine. I was out of town on my birthday this year. I was in Chicago visiting my family, which was fun. And seeing my dad who has dementia and bless his heart. My dad was so shocked to learn that I was turning 30 this year. He couldn't believe that. I turned 50. But my dad has dementia, Mm -hmm. right? And so in his mind, it's um, still 1990 when I was turning more like, you know, 20 or something. And that's okay. That's where he's at. So he couldn't believe, he just could not fathom the fact that I was turning 30, but he was so thrilled that I would spend my 30th birthday with him. Really? And I didn't, it didn't seem important to um, correct him. Sure, yeah. You know, that didn't seem important right. that I was turning 50. And it's okay that he thinks I'm 30 because I can feel 30. <laughs> yeah. And I can celebrate that. I right. do sort of feel like I've been aging backwards the last few Meaning. years. Meaning? Aging backwards. Like you're getting younger with each birthday? I feel energetically and physically and spiritually younger every Okay. Year. For just the last handful of years you felt Probably that way? Probably the last handful of years. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I had, I don't know, just kind of a, an awakening. Wow. I don't know what to attribute that to. Did you bring me some sage, by the way? You said you are going to put some in my glove box. I did. <laughs> I forgot. Fuck. <laughs> That's oh, all good. Can I kiss? Yeah, yeah, you're good. You're okay. good. Whoops. Um, Sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> um, so you almost released your debut album on your birthday. I got so distracted. Right. That's, so that I all, that's... was going to release my debut album, which I had been recording over t- the previous 12 months. Well, uh, the notes say three decades I had written the songs. Okay. Over three decades. Like in a journal, I like they were poems, or. So here's here's how this all happened. Well, for, for t- <clears throat> before we get go there, t- I feel like we've gotten distracted several That's times. That's the whole from the point. <laughs> point of this will be to who's who does a better okay. job of getting us back okay. on track. So, so, but where uh, where's your stuff and what's it called? Okay. My album is called Beautiful Scars. Mm-hmm. You can stream it on Spotify, on Apple Music, um, it's on Amazon, 
And then my website is a Bandcamp website. Right. So if you just look at tinyseber.bandcamp. Right, which uh, I accessed through your Instagram page, Mm -hmm. which is Tanya Kaplan Sieber Music. No, what is it? Tanya Sieber Music is my Facebook page. Um, I couldn't tell you the name of my Instagram. I'll have to look at that. I'll have to look. I can tell you right now. Yeah, do it. I think it's... Tanya Sieber music. Mm. Okay, Instagram. Hang on. I have four Instagram accounts. Oh, that's fun. Well, I have to do my... I'm the marketing person for my um, company, for the, my rep group. Are you still doing the equipment so I thing? I have to manage all that. Let's see. TanyaSieber.music is my Instagram handle. Okay. Uh, TanyaSieber, all And in your bio... And Sieber is S-I-E-B-E-R. Thank you. Um, in your bio, there's a link to your band camp, yeah. which has uh, the album, Beautiful Scars, plus the yes. new single. Mar- I have two marked new singles, two new but single. I haven't, I've only released one. Okay. Here's what I learned. So I'm old school, right? Because I'm 50, even though my dad still thinks I'm 30. It's okay. Nice. And I feel about 25. <clears throat> or I act about 25. I'm actually 50. And I grew up in an era where an album was the unit of measure for music. That's the whole point of this podcast is talk about how right. albums are. Th- that's no longer the case. No. Did you know that? Well, albums stream, are no longer the unit of measurement what, what, what do you for mean? music. Well, now it's a song. Okay. Not for me. <laughs> I won't. Because you're old like yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I am. Right? But that's not how most people absorb music anymore they don't listen to an entire album yeah my daughter wants to do an episode and she i'm like you need to pick an album and she's changed she's like an album what is that? she's changed um artists once uh-huh. and then changed her album twice and she's like okay and i'm like no 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 you gotta sit down and take it all in start to finish at least once and then we'll but talk do you know about how much that's asking of your daughter's generation like their yeah. attention span and it's not their fault no um and my attention span is shortened oh, it, sure. now too yeah. everybody's right? is. but i grew up listening the very first album i ever owned my dad who now suffers from dementia bless his sweetheart when i was when i turned eight for my birthday he gave me pink floyd the wall the- the Wall. What eight-year-old should be listening to I don't know, but The that, Wall? But, you, but that was the very first album I owned, and I don't know if you remember that. It was a double album. Of right? course. And you open it up, and there's all these amazing images, and the lyrics are yeah. written oh, yeah. on the on the um, album cover in- Liner most, notes. Yes, in the most interesting fonts. I, I had a, my freshman, I went to Pittsburgh State. Yeah. My freshman- You were a gorilla. Yeah, I was for a year. And then I moved to Colorado. So you failed out? No, I, I was actually going to go, I was going to m- switch to KU. Um, uh-huh. And then I moved to uh, the YMCA of the Rockies in Estes Park mm. for the summer and worked out there. And then I was like, I'm not, why would I go back to Kansas? Why would anyone come back to Kansas? But my, do- my dorm, I had a really big dorm room in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh and the walls were just like this cinder block. And I literally. Yeah, we are, we are inside the wall right now. And I painted the whole wall of my dorm room in blue ink 
and and matched the way that it was written and then when it was the end of the year and i had to like take finals and get out of there my dad came down and had to paint over that whole thing while i was taking finals he was like you didn't think about that did you i was like i'm gonna leave no, it why would you think yeah about that? but if but yeah yeah and i, I mean the first album i ever owned and i can i just tell you i listened to that album like thousands of hours i probably listened mm -hmm. to that album i knew every lyric mm -hmm. to every song i knew every moment look mommy there's an airplane in the sky i knew everything yeah front to back inside and out and i could just stare at the artwork like there's that ass you know you yeah. open it up yeah. and there's that ass with i think there's testicles hanging too i think so right? yeah and maybe Who a face gives, what dad yeah. gives that to their eight-year-old daughter right <laughs> yeah Anyway, I loved it. My favorite song, If You Should Go Skating on the Thin Ice of Modern Life. Like, it wasn't the popular radio hits that were my favorite songs. It was that songs. creepy Roger Waters shit. They yes. were like, where are, are you? I loved it. I loved it. And then the other album that I got that same year, Kenny Rogers, The Gambler. Oh, wow. Right? Like. Polar opposites. Um, but I knew every word to that album as well. I and then I listened to Queen the Game. Okay. But I had that on a cassette sure. tape. You remember cassette tapes. I've got like 800 of them in the mm -hmm. other room. Right. So this was the shit that I cut my teeth on okay. as a little kid. And I listened to a lot of John Denver as well. Same. Right? Like bizarre, bizarre things for an eight-year-old kid yep. to be listening to all over the board. I listened to... Um, ACDC, Back in Black. Nice. I had that album, but I also had um, The Wings, Band on the Run. Oh, man. Fucking amazing album. Does that have love songs on it? Yeah. Oh, God. That, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that, that bass line yeah. just pops. Oh, my God. I mean, it's so, and roll. Just, boom, so boom, boom, this is boom. what I grew up listening to. Like, I listened to country. I listened to very trippy acid rock. Nice. I listened to a shitload of Pink Floyd. I listened to Led Zeppelin. I listened to ACDC. I listened to um, Tanya Tucker. I listened to all over the all over the board. This is, I grew up with a very eclectic, nice musical experience. And what was my point? Um, that you <laughs> almost dropped your first record uh, right. on your birthday, okay, and then so you're, and, you're, and you have, you have two singles. To albums. Right, mm -hmm. but it's not the unit of so measure. When it occurred to me um, to release my stuff, I thought, "Well, I'll release it in the form of an album because that is how you measure music." Well, it was clearly too much for people to absorb. Like it says, was overwhelming. Says like, who? Well, I don't know. Did you listen to my album yeah, start to finish? I did. I think you're the only one in America. That's not true. I think you're the and only there's one. Some, some, one of your things has got to be have like a view or a stream tracker or something somewhere um, that information yes, no, exists. I look at all of my, the backsides of all of my, my band camp and Spotify and Apple play. You get all of that, you know, um, data. I mean, all I of that feedback, yeah. but I can't tell it's all broken down by song. Oh. I can't tell who listens to my album hmm. front to front to back. So are you, uh, okay. But I felt like that was a mistake to release all of my music in the form of an album. Cause I think there were one or two songs that probably I promoted, 
because I thought they were maybe the catchiest or the most accessible or the most pop or whatever. Um, and I think everything else on that album just got buried. And my favorite songs on the album, Time Marches On is probably my favorite song okay. on the album. It's just gotten lost and buried. And I feel, in retrospect, like I should have dripped these songs like one a month and I should have promoted them on my social media. Here's my new song and given the YouTube link and, and let people absorb things one song at a time, because that is really all that people are capable of anymore. And it's not their fault. And I don't, I'm the same fucking way. Yeah. Right. So I don't criticize anyone for that. I saw a thing recently where, uh, I don't even remember, but it was, it was looking at a video clip and talking about how many like camera angle changes there are with, you know, it's like every 1.5 set and, and there's like intention behind that because yeah. they, they are trying to get your, you know, to, need, that's the only way to keep us engaged because our minds wander. Well, yeah. whatever, I mean, it's your stuff. So you do what you want to do, but I still, for it's, it's still the unit of measure for me. I mean, you listen to the whole album, but I think you're I rare. did, I and, you, you're rare. Uh, and you listen to them in the order. Like I chose the order of songs very deliberately. Yeah. That's and it took me a month to figure out the order, the order. And then did you still even feel, but then great but about it doesn't it? fucking matter because that's not how anyone listens to them. Hmm. Right. So, I don't oh, think no. anyone. I don't. I think there are still people out there. I mean, there's two. You and one other. Guy. <laughs> His name is Stan Farley, and he's going to listen to this podcast because I'll send it to him. Can I tell you who Stan Farley is? Yeah, please do. Tell me all the things you want to tell me. <laughs> Stan Farley um, is my unofficial agent. Okay. My probably my biggest fan, and my pen pal, and my best friend. I met Stan Farley at a gig because I play bass in another band, mm -hmm. right? That's my side pro I say that's my side project. I thought tarot card reading was I, your side project. I do that too. Okay. My band would say that my Don't call solo yourself lazy. Stuff, <laughs> I know, I know. I'm lazy about the shit I don't want to do. Yeah, because right. it sucks. My band would say that my side project is my solo stuff. And so let's not... Let's not... Um, they don't need to know we, that so they're my that they're my side chick. Is okay. So they they, they don't need to know that they can right. they can think that right. they're my priority yeah. and that my solo stuff is my side chick okay. and that's just fine. Sure. So, uh, but is this so? So we met. Um, and we're jumping all over the place, but who cares? Uh, <laughs> like eight. Somebody with ADHD is gonna love yeah. this podcast. <laughs> eight or nine or years ago, or somebody with a lot of cocaine. Yes, yes. Uh, and and we were hired by the same company. We were in the mm -hmm. training class oh. together, and we did. Like, Should we say how we met? Well, that's what I'm saying. You're doing it right so, now. So um, we. By the way, like three times today, I have thought about you making that drive from Lawrence every day and how much I was complaining about doing it from here. Uh, you're probably getting up earlier than I was. But um, mm -hmm. so we were in early in training doing probably the first day or something, doing like a get to know you kind of mm -hmm. exercise, go around and... Um, and can, you, can you tell the listeners 
The listeners, I say with air quotes. <laughs> Can you tell them what company we were? I mean, for it doesn't. We were no, it doesn't do? matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They, okay. If they because it's cute, they might like find something wrong about and then be like, no, nope, okay, that's right. disparaging. So Let's anyway, do we're doing a get our, we're doing a get to know you thing, and somehow one of the things was uh, something you would never guess about me. And we all you know, just, you know, like one time I forgot to tie my shoe, just lame. And then I don't, I think we, I feel like we had to guess which sentence Who belonged, belonged to, wh- to which. And so uh, when yeah, I we wrote it down and turned it in, when I heard uh, I used to play bass in a metal band, I was like, well, I can definitely eliminate Tanya. <laughs> but it was me. I know, I know. That's what was crazy. So is your, is that, are the band now, is it still no. not them? No, that was my band in college. Okay. And I played in a very heavy metal rock band. Um, originally, we called ourselves Smoke. Oh, okay. Because we smoked a lot of pot okay. at that time. All right. But then we changed our name to Space Lady. Oh, wow. Because we thought that was somehow better. Were you singing and playing bass? Um, so... Our rule in that band was if you wrote the song, you sang it. Oh, shit. Okay. Wow. And so I wrote a couple songs and I sang them. And then um, our lead guitar player wrote many songs and he sang those. And our rhythm guitar player also wrote a song and he sang that. And so that was just the rule. And this was in San Antonio where I went to oh, college. okay. And so we were playing out in bars and died. we played in South by Southwest though couple times really that's before austin was a big deal this was like in 1992 gotcha right austin was not such Hmm. a big fucking deal it wasn't so hard to get into south by south right um anyway they i had never played a bass guitar in my life i grew up playing classical piano sure that's my musical training right um but i met these guys my freshman year of college and um, they were so fun. Am I too loud? No, I oh. just, you might be a tiny bit too far, but I'm not sure. Should I get be closer? Well, if you can, I don't want you to be I can be closer. Okay. I'm trying right. not to blast you out. No, you're good. So I met these guys and um, I started dating um, the guitar player. Okay. The rhythm guitar player in the band. One song, one song dude got some action out of you, but the multiple song dude was like. They were already hooked up with other okay, girlfriends okay, long gotcha. before I joined the band. All right. So anyway. Um, they wanted to start a band, so it was my friend Adam Dudley and my boyfriend at the time, Pete Gaucher, and our drummer, Jonathan Scott, and they needed a bass player, right? And so Adam, the lead singer and lead guitar player, was like, Tanya, you can play the bass. And he, he had a bass. No, we went out and bought a bass used. It was a Fender. And... He showed me how to play it a little bit, and I just kind of taught myself. And, like, I was terrible. I'm sure I was terrible, but I had musical training. I had a good ear. Sure. Right? And once I got, you know, some calluses Mm -hmm. on my middle finger. Would you play with a pick or? Oh, I've never learned how to play with a pick. Okay. I get criticized for that. Oh. Now by my current bandmates who think that I should learn how to play with a pick, but that's not how I learned how to play. Right. So I learned some fucked up technique that no bass player would. um, Are you not, were you not holding your fingers? I don't know what I do. I'm sure I don't do it right at all, but I figured out how to play. I can thumb slap. Nice. I figured out how to play it in a way that sounded pretty good. 
And we started playing gigs. And then we cut an EP. Like I could send you, I could nice. send you those songs from like from ninety one. Okay, yeah. So this is grunge era, sure. right? But we were heavily influenced by Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and Black Sabbath and Zeppelin and. Um, See, I would call that hard rock. But the, it was a blend. Okay. Oh no. What? You wouldn't. What? What did I say? We were metal. Metal. Yeah. Oh, we were just, metal. Okay. If you heard some of the songs from our EP, it was fucking metal. Okay. The shit. You, oh, yeah. That's who you're really influ- driving yeah. hard beats and gotcha. Like gotcha. wailing guitars okay. and very um guitar riff heavy, right? Okay. Like Metallica. Sure. Sure. Kind of guitar riffs. <clears throat> so that's the kind of shit we were playing, and oh, I loved it. I bet. How many? How I long? I loved it. So we did that for four years until. The rhythm guitar player and I broke up. Uh-oh. And that was the end of the band. Yeah. And then I had to leave the state of Texas. Had to? It was bad. Okay. Yikes. You know, it was there Texas was not big enough for the two of us. Texas is not it's a small a big state. state. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I had to leave. Uh but that's okay. That's all none of that ever followed you. It's all chill and in the past now. Well, Adam and I have remained friends, which is good. But he's why you had to leave the state? No, no, no. no. Oh, that okay. was Pete. Pete's why I had to leave the state. Oh, Adam. Okay. And I have remained friends. And Jonathan Scott, the drummer, he and I also remained friends. And interestingly, a few years after I moved away, he met um, another woman named Tanya. She spelled it wrong. She spelled it T O N. Oh, yeah. YA, but that's okay. She's still sweet. And he married her. Oh. And they had a beautiful, beautiful relationship. And they ended up moving to New Orleans and they were living in New Orleans. They were running like um, her dad, her, she has an interesting background, but her family owned like a curio shop in the French Quarter. A what? In New Orleans. A curio. This is like voodoo stuff. Okay. Right? This is um um this is uh indigenous spirituality, New Orleans style. Okay. Interesting. Right? Yeah. Anyway, Jonathan, who was a religion major, that we all we all went to Trinity University in San Antonio. Okay. I was an anthropology major, Jonathan was a religion major. And he he and his wife, Tanya, were running this shop in New Orleans, and he was like a spiritual advisor to all of their customers who would come in and buy candles, and they would buy, um, you know, curios, and because this is how you do religiosity. Wow. Right? And Never heard that word before. Religi- oh, well, you're not a sociology major. Curi- curios. Curios. Okay. Well, how do you spell it's it? just an object... Um, to which you assign some power, some oh. spiritual meaning okay. for you, right? And you pray to it, or you pray with it, or you pray on it, or you um, it becomes an important part of your ritual gotcha. every day. Okay. Right? And so the store that they ran, that they owned, um, they sold every conceivable spiritual object that one might 
like we were talking about burning sage earlier, earlier, mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. a purification, an act of purification. So you might go in the store and um, buy something that you would burn in your home to okay. purify it. All right. Right. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. But, but Pete's why you had to leave the state. Pete's why I had to leave the state. But Jonathan, so sadly, like died a few years ago, very unexpectedly. The dude that married Tanya and mm-hmm. had the shop and the, okay, wow. Yeah, he, um, had um, an aneurysm in his sleep. Man, those are like your. That's it, they right? Call, they call what he had the widow widowmaker. Maker. Yeah, you've heard that term a bunch of times. My whole life, that's I feel like. That's what happened to him. Wow, that's wild. Um. Okay. Anyway, so, um, Jonathan, bless his heart, and God rest his soul. He's a wonderful drummer and a beautiful human, and I miss him. But that was my band. Okay. But yeah, I had to leave the state because um, of the breakup. And Pete still, I, I'm certain he still hates me. Like, he's never spoken to me again. And he won't be my Facebook friend. Did you try? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. It's That's okay. rough. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Everybody needs to be where they need to be. And he'll know what song on this album so there is an album is. coming. Or are, you, are we talking about? No, the first album. Okay, okay. If he were to listen to it, he would know which song it is. Okay. That's okay. Um, we should listen to one. Okay, wanna you want to do that now? Yeah. You will. You, I mean, if you want to hear it, you got to put the headphones on. Oh, okay. I'm putting on the headphones. What song are you going to play? I mean, I'm going to pick play the one that I like the most. <gasps> I don't know which one you like the most. I'm so excited to know that.
fire. My favorite. Uh, from Beautiful Scars. I, can't that's your I don't know. It just spoke to me. I mean, there's something about, like, um, you know, and being an old soul kind of person that just, like, really appreciates uh, um, an aged, you know, may- maybe defunct craft of like you know blacksmith ship or you know, i don't know like and then to take to have sort of that imagery uh and and then for one human to be saying that to another it just like there's a lot of different ways you could go just with those two notions but anyway uh not your favorite oh no it is absolutely one of my favorites uh, one of okay um, that song's written for my brother. Okay, you said so. I mean, I I want to talk to you about your your liner notes, but um, it's really beautiful, and the 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 different vocal layerings that kind of come in about two thirds, and then and then are added onto by what I think is a male vocalist. Mm-hmm. I mean, all it's of my it. studio engineer. Uh, That's Carter. Okay, I keep thinking. I keep having like green jeans. Carter or, Green, Green oh, Jeans oh, Studio. Okay, there you That's go. There you go. Like it. named after Captain Kangaroo's sidekick. Pretty close. Okay. Okay. He's of he's of our era. Yes. Okay. So he probably grew up watching Captain Kangaroo too. Um. All right. So metal band. Wait. Thought metal band. Right. And like, then, how am I a grunge? chick heavy metal well i mean not only that but like you start off your metal band in college in the early 90s and then i meet you in 2013 mm-hmm. and you're a uh, working mom of three mm-hmm. uh two. sorry felt sorry. like three sorry um and now um i mean you're still a working mom of two mm-hmm. but you have uh so so when i saw the, the new single marked mm-hmm. came out a month ago or two weeks ago two weeks ago uh no no, no. i recorded what's today tuesday i recorded it eight days ago oh wow seven days ago okay. i released it a week ago okay yeah feels um, like a month though so when i saw that i was like oh that means because of how i've always consumed music i was like that means there's another album coming mm-hmm. there is well so, first of all, I should probably share with you my experience of songwriting. Yeah. Yeah, especially so if the it song took... that you chose to play, um, "Forged in Fire." I just sat down at the piano one day, and the entire song was. That's you on the piano. Oh yeah. You you did a terrible job giving people credit on the liner notes. I did. By the way, yes. All the piano parts are me. Okay. Uh, and that's how I write. I write sure. on the piano because okay. that's my home instrument. Yeah. I did write one song on the bass, which was okay. with the ladies. Everything else I wrote on the with piano. With the ladies. <laughs> Are we going to play that? That's no. My, that's my super snarky song. Uh, the you scratchier, the better. Super... <laughs> I mean, I'm over here like, scratchy's pretty good. I mean, I love that how song. Come, uh, that's me cutting loose and having fun. Sure, sure. Okay, but... The way songwriting works for me, um, I just receive a song fully formed. It just like drops into my consciousness, and like uploading helicopter pilot shit in the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Just, and then you just, that's how songs. Wow. 
So for me to even credit myself with having written the songs feels disingenuous because I feel like a vessel through which the songs um, are channeled. You want to you want to give songs. you want to put higher power. My grandma, I think my grandma. Gives oh, me she my songs. she was in there. She was somebody you mentioned, right? I think that's where they they come from. Okay. Although marked came from someone different, and okay. I'll tell you that story sure. too. Marked came from someone I've never met, um, except in a dream, and he he is the deceased son of um, colleagues that I now work with who had, he died very young, like in his early 20s. This is a a real person? mm -hmm. Okay, okay. I've never met him, but I've heard about him from my colleagues. This is their son. You know, they lost their their oldest son. Anyway, um, I'd seen a picture or two of him, and I'd heard about him, but he I had a dream about him last summer, and it was, I mean, it was kind of a pedestrian, it was a weird pedestrian dream that took place in a basement, and there was like a flood in the basement, and anyway, we were all down there, my colleagues and me, and his name is Darren. He was in the basement with us, and we were making a video, like not even a music video, just a video of some kind, like a marketing video, I guess. And anyway... For work. For work. It's, and so you still Because do, that's how I know. Do you still do the equipment kind of mm-hmm. thing? Okay, mm-hmm. right. So I woke up from this dream, and I was like, oh my God, I met, I met Darren... Had you seen pictures before the dream? I had seen one picture, but it was of him from like high school. Okay. Who did you tell this to that you met him? He was in his early, like mid-20s when he died. And it was long before I ever came to work for these lovely, these beautiful people. Um, But I met him in this dream, and I woke up that morning, and this song was in my consciousness that's marked not the lyrics the lyrics are mine but the music and the whole song was there start to finish did you go put the it down the chorus, immediately the and i just started playing it and how um, did you record did you record it i didn't record it till last week but well i know but 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 you played it that first t- day mm-hmm. that it came to you and then it was just it's in my, logged it's in, in there my body it's in my it, you are like a trip, dude. Memory. That is so wild. That is how songwriting that's, works for That's me. really cool. It's really cool. I don't like sit down and work on something. Parts and pieces. It just and... comes to me, and it's fully formed. It probably means Which you is should why be... I don't think they're my songs. Okay, okay. Right? It's very bizarre. And what I've learned through this process is that um, until I go into the studio and record them and get them out side of my consciousness there's not room for more to come in so in that year that I was recording all of the tracks for Beautiful Scars um, the title of that album actually is a lyric from the third song in the album well it's a, it's an album with a title that doesn't have a, 
a song of the same name on the album, right. which is a fascinating but I choice. Took the title straight from a lyric out of "Burned It Down." Okay. Um, and in that, in the lyric, I was not referring. These are not my scars. These are somebody else's mm. beautiful scars. That okay. I was referring to. So it's a little. I think it's misleading, and maybe I regret that now. But whatever. Anyway. Um. My songwriting process is, it it's just very bizarre. Like I think it's pretty cool. It's pretty so rad. It just like flows out of you. Consciousness, yes. And then when I record it, then it can go away, and then that clear space for something else to come in. So talk about the tracks. The so across three decades talk about the mm -hmm. needing the space and then releasing mm -hmm. and how does that work across such a long okay, period of time right. thank you for taking us back so when i fled texas i moved to chicago okay where and your dad is right now my dad are your folks still together my, my dad's always lived in chicago okay right i used to visit him in the summers and stuff there my parents were divorced when i was very little um, but is mom still in the picture? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. And she lives in Lawrence. She's retired oh, and she lives with okay. me in Lawrence. But um, I moved to Chicago to get away from drama in Texas. And um, at first I moved into my brother's loft and I was hanging there with my brother for whom Forged in Fire was written. Two brothers. I have two brothers. And the, what is the age? One is a half brother. Okay. And then my full brother, who I actually grew up, in the same household right. with, right? But what is the- what I'm the baby. Okay, all right. And um, we all share the same dad. Okay. My half-brother, Dave, who's the oldest, has a different mom. And we never grew up in the same household. Right. But we're very close. Cool. So I lived with my brother, Joe, in Chicago for a while, and then I moved in with my dad in Roscoe Village. And, um, <laughs> My piano that I've had since I was 12 years old, that I've been carting around with me my whole life, came with me to my, came with me to Chicago to my brother's loft, and then came with me to my dad's place, and. How the, how do you get a piano into a loft, like outside and through a window or upstairs? There's so many stories. Okay. There's so many ways. Literally. <laughs> so many ways of moving a piano. There was a freight elevator in that building. Oh wow! So that was okay. very helpful. Yeah. Um. But when I was living in Chicago with my dad, I I was listening to a lot of Sheryl Crow, The Globe Sessions. Are you familiar with that album? So I got to interrupt. What? Um, I, I made, this is a couple summers ago, um, I made a really big Sheryl Crow playlist. I've always loved her. And I did... Uh, River Wide is River Wide on that playlist. I could probably tell you. Oh my god! Um, That's my favorite song of hers of all time. It, it doesn't ring a bell, but it's um, on Globe Sessions. That's a magical album. That is such a magical album. Oh my god! I mean, she's had some beautiful hits on her other albums. Some gems, absolutely gems. But that album, start to finish, was like her bearing her absolute um, broken soul to the world. What'd you really say it was connected. called? Globe Sessions? No, no, no. Oh, Riverwide. Riverwide. Nope. Well, you missed 
you missed I, I didn't. the best songs she's I ever did not. Done. I did not. The best songs are on this playlist. And I'll tell Whatever. you, I spent so many hours okay. making this thing. I'm sure you're right. And then I, um, I mean, I'm just messing with you. Is Difficult Kind on there? I don't think so. Do you want to just hear it? Yeah, I do. So I took uh, like little notes Mm-hmm. like four line mm-hmm. like a stanza mm-hmm. like four lines of something written and i'd place them around the house scavenger hunt style and the final note this is for my daughter and the final note led to a desk drawer in our living room where i had it's still there the lyrics to every song on the playlist printed out and then i like sent her a link to the playlist on her tablet in the hopes that, you know, she would sit, sit down and spend some time. She didn't. She enjoyed the scavenger hunt, and she's never. <laughs> she never got into never, Cheryl. Never even re- revisited the list. But okay. um, all right, there goes the neighborhood. Yep, yep, yep. Eye yep. to eye. Okay. Soak up the sun, mm-hmm. and this is I was making this for my daughter. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, sideways, sweet child of mine. Mm-hmm. Out of our heads, the difficult kind. Yes, run, thank you. Run, baby, run. That's from Globe Sessions. Long way back, anything but down. Oh, that's awesome. Motivation, it don't hurt. Glo- another Globe mm-hmm. Session. Uh, oh, Marie, Cross Creek Road, members only. Yes. That might be my all-time favorite. Yes. Um, perfect lie. I mean, just that. Da 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 da. Mm-hmm. Give it to me. I don't want to know. God, she's so fucking hot on the cover of that. <laughs> Just so stupid. I'm in love with her too. Yeah. So it's okay to say that. Calling me when I'm lonely. Peace be upon us. My favorite mistake. Weather Channel. Mm-hmm. Lonely Alone with Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, come on, come on. Don't featuring Lucius. Homesick. Love is all there is. And I closed it with I Shall Believe. <sighs> okay. Okay. Which, I mean, for my money, I shall believe is pretty goddamn beautiful, too. Um, anyway, uh, what were you we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so I was living with my dad. Yeah. As a, you know, mid-20-something-year-old um, refugee from Texas. Uh-huh. Refugee and you're listening from, to a lot of Cheryl Crow. Is that how we go? Listening to a lot of Cheryl okay. Crow. I'm listening to a lot of Fiona Apple. Who didn't put very much music out at all, did she? Title. Title came out at that time. After that, I'm listening to a lot of Billie Holiday. I'm listening to a lot of Melissa Etheridge. Like, wow, I'm really inspired by female artists. You going to the Lilith Fair? I'm also listening to a shitload of the Buena Vista Social Club. Do you remember? Yes, that movie and that soundtrack. Uh, (gasps) No, no. Maybe we could play something from that. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway, I was super inspired by that at the time. Ry Cooter. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And I was just in an inspired place, but I was also reeling from this, you know, relationship that had crashed and burned. Crash and burned, by the way, is another great mm-hmm. Charco song it is, it is. from the Globe Sessions. Um, it's a really, really good record. I think she was breaking record. up with Eric Clapton at that time. Isn't that what was happening? I don't know, Probably. but it's a good fucking anyway, record. Doesn't matter. Fuck him, by the way. Why? What happened to him? What do you mean? Uh, he's lost what did he do? He, he, he no to re- refresh he my memory. Was he? Did he do something weird? Vaccine wise? I don't want to get political wise? on this podcast. COVID? He's Trump. Like a crazy anti-masker. And okay, yeah, that's I, right. That's right. Yeah. What happened Fuck to him? Fuck that guy. Him and know. Van Morrison both. Oh Jesus. no, Van both. Morrison. Both. Oh my God. Yes. 
They wow. lost their way. Wow. Somebody They're using their platform for evil. Anyway, somebody, some comic just had a little bit, a, a bit in their new hour about, and it, it was like they hit on it like four or five times about Clapton's son falling to his he, death out of the window. He's like, no, 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 I'm sorry. How can so, you write a song like Cocaine, which is my favorite Eric Clapton song okay. of all time? Um, I don't know what that says about me. I've actually never done cocaine in my entire oh, wow. life. Okay. Not one time. All right. And that's probably a good thing because I think I would have liked it a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's why I've never. I but, haven't ever done it, but that's my favorite. I got to go tears. No, no, no. I got to go tears in heaven. I burned myself out on classic rock. Beautiful guitar riff. My favorite Rolling Stone song, Beast of Burden. Beautiful fucking guitar riff. Not a Stones fan. Okay. Anyway. When I was living with my dad in Chicago, reeling from this breakup and having to flee Texas and, you know, lose all my friends and my whole identity is in disarray. And I wrote some songs on the piano. Oh. Which. These were not in a notebook first. They've all no, been. Okay. No, 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 no. I put them in a notebook. Okay. The chords, just the names of the chords. And the lyrics. That was all I had. And I put them in a notebook, and they went in my piano bench. And that piano, I wrote four, maybe four songs at that time. And so this piano, which has been traveling with me my whole life, went from my dad's house to an apartment, to another apartment in Chicago, to um, a rental house in Lawrence, to my first home in Lawrence to my second home in Lawrence to my third home in Lawrence to my apartment in Lawrence. Um, that notebook, the, the piano is currently at the apartment where I live now. Yes. Right. But that notebook traveled in the piano bench and never got lost all those years, never wow. got lost. And so a couple of years ago, I'm digging through the piano bench and I'm looking for my WC or my, um, Schubert, Sonata and A minor or something that I wanted to pull out and play because I told you I was raised as a right, classical right. pianist, and every now and then I dig out old material and I try to re relearn it and try to remember how I used to be able to play the piano when I was in high school and college. And there's this notebook, and I'm like, "What's in here?" So I opened. You didn't, this you didn't even look familiar. Well. I sort of remembered okay, it, okay. but I mean, this was 20 fucking years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. I was a kid. I was 26 years old. Yeah, Got it all figured out. So I opened the notebook and I'm like, there's these chords and there's these lyrics. So I sat down at the piano and I, I play through the chords and I'm trying to kind of reconstruct and it all comes back to me. What are you writing? Like big C, little M, like uh -huh. above the specific exactly, words? I could, I wish I should have sent you pictures oh, that's all right i still have the notebook you, with the original better songs it's gonna be worth some money someday maybe <laughs> anyway four of those songs are on my album okay wow so these were songs that i resurrected i sat down at my piano a couple of years ago and found this notebook in my bench and resurrected these songs that i had written as a 20 something year old kid right wow and I was like, shit, these aren't, these don't suck. Right. These are, 
these chord progressions are actually really moving and intelligent. Like, how did I write this shit? Did you, do your kids take piano lessons? Or oh, we tried. Didn't, didn't they stick? How long it. did they go? Not long, a couple years. Okay. They hated it. They hated everything about it. They didn't want to do voice. They didn't want to do piano. Addie was playing the violin for about a month and they hated all of it and resented me for making them do it and now they do nothing. Okay. You it's tried. Okay. You it's tried. okay. They're their own people. Yeah. Um, But I kind of resurrected these songs. So I was like, Super these, cool. These aren't terrible. No. And I did tweak the lyrics a bit because the lyrics were a little young. You mm -hmm. know, the lyrics mm -hmm. were a little immature. The main gist of the lyrics I kept, I just tweaked a few things here and there. And um, when I discovered this notebook, I had already joined this. Well, I should tell you the story of how I joined my current band. Yeah. So I'm living in a five-bedroom, three-story house on a beautiful creek with my husband and my two kids and I'm living the perfect life, right? I'm working, I'm making money. This is Larryville. In Lawrence, Kansas, living this beautiful life. And I'm outside on my porch and it's May, early May, and I'm planting flowers in my front porch pots, which I did every May because I liked having flowers on my front porch. So I'm out with my... It's part of making the house perfect. Yes. Flower. I'm out with my flowers and I'm in my potting soil and I'm planting and I'm arranging them in the way that makes me happy. And my neighbor, um, her brother, who lives in Hutchinson, Kansas, we call it Hutch. Hutch. Thank you. You know that. You just call it Hutch. He was in Lawrence visiting, and he pulls up um, in front of her house, and he's got a van, a minivan, and he opens the back, and you know he's getting something out of the back of his van, and I'm out planting my flowers, and I notice he has all of this um, music equipment, like guitar cases. I and was wondering if that's stuff what you spotted in the back of his van, and I just took note of that, and so he notices me, and I've never met him. I was friendly with my neighbor, but I'd never met him. And for whatever reason, he decides to walk up and say hi and introduce himself. And he said, hey, I'm Matt. You must, your gardening outfit must have been top I was wearing jeans <laughs> and a t-shirt. Like, I don't know. I don't know. And he says, hey, I'm, I'm Matt. I'm Ann's brother. And I was like, well, I'm Tanya. Nice to meet you. And we're chatting. And um, I said, I noticed you have like a bunch of amps and guitar cases and stuff in your van. I said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in a band and I'm here in Lawrence for band practice. That's why I'm here this weekend. And so then I felt the need to tell him that I, too, had been in a band a quarter of a century ago. Because it <laughs> I really mean, was 25 years ago sure. at that point. A quarter of a century ago in college, I was also in a band. And he was like, oh, that's cool. What did you play? And I said, I played the bass. And he's like, well, that's really interesting because our bass player just last week moved to Memphis, Tennessee, and we need a bass player. And I was like, well, first of all, I don't have a bass guitar anymore. Second of all, I haven't touched a bass guitar in 25 years. I don't know that I remember how to play it. And um, that's really 
that's really fun, but really? I That seems crazy. And he's like, oh, you'd be great. You should do it. And I was like, that's crazy. It's the same sort of inspiration as the college band. It's yeah. like, you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. So I was like, well, okay, okay, I'll think about it. And I got his contact information. And he said, talk to my brother, Pat, Patrick, um, who is also in the band and lives in Lawrence. He says, talk to Patrick. You should, you know, just come check it out. Give it, you know, give it some thought. So I I chat with Patrick and we have a phone call and he's like, come over and listen to ours. He sends me a few songs, emails me a couple of their songs. I listen to them. I go over and I meet Patrick and I meet Phil, the drummer, and I listen to some more of their stuff and I played them some of my college band stuff, you know, so they could see what On I... Cassette? Or what do you... I had these digitally. Um, really? I had them on my phone. I I downloaded them from, from... I can't even remember how I, Napster. I think I found... It was something like that. I think it was my friend Adam Dudley's... Do you remember before Facebook there was MySpace? Of course. <laughs> it was the band play, the band, you know. That's where I downloaded them from, okay. his MySpace account. Okay. Which is crazy. And the audio... Um, quality was terrible, but they're they're alive. But I also had CDs. Okay. Um, from that time in my life, we actually cut CDs back then, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, that. I mean, the you can you you can buy a CD of, of your stuff. I know because people actually requested those, so we made some. Yeah. But I had a CD, and I had some. I had downloaded the files from his MySpace um, page. Anyway. I played some of my stuff so they could see what I could do as a bass player. And they, I had listened to some of their stuff and they played me a few more songs and they loaned me a bass guitar. And I had a bass guitar amp sitting out in the barn. At that time I lived out in the country because we raised chickens in a big garden and we had goats and stuff. And But your neighbors, when, they pull, when your neighbor's brother pulls up, it's well, close enough that you can see. So it's kind of a confusing story. My, that was my mom's house. And my family, my husband and kids and I lived out in the country, but then we swapped houses with my mom. So I was living in my mom's house in town, and she was living in our house Interesting. out in the country. Why, why did but that? But we still had all our shit out in all the barns and oh, the basement yeah. and yeah. stuff because we hadn't ever cleared it out. Um, so anyway, my husband at the time went back to our barn and and rescued my bass amp that had been sitting out in the barn for you know whatever 15 years but it hadn't gotten wet or anything i don't know it still worked and that's still what i use as my practice nice. amp, which is funny and so he brought this bass uh amp home practice amp home for me and they loaned me a bass guitar and i was just listening to their songs and trying to learn them and doing my best and then i went and kind of auditioned with them and I learned two or three of their songs and i auditioned with those songs and they were like Perfect, you're hired, and that was that. When is this? So this was this summer of 20, what is, what are we in? 2022. This would have been the summer of 2018 because it was before COVID. Yeah, yeah, I mean, mean, barely, like right. May of 2018 is when I joined the band, and I learned all their songs. With support and blessing from your husband. Oh, he loved it, he thought it was great. And he's still, even though, you know, we're not together as spouses anymore. He got a fascinating nod. Strongest, strongest person I know. Absolutely. And he's still my 
best friend and I adore him and we love each other and support each other. And he encourages me like for Christmas this year, he got me a microphone and a mic stand. Like he wow. really wants me to pursue okay. this. Good. That's He's awesome. Lovely. I bet you're I mean, a beautiful human. Probably does. We weren't great as husband and wife, but we're great friends and co-parents. Yeah. And I'm, your your kids have to appreciate that on some level. I fucking hope so. Right? Um, so that was weird and serendipitous, right? How I ended up in this band. But then Matthew, so I joined this band. I learned their songs. We're playing shows. I'm having so much fun. I'm like, are you playing reconnecting like... with the musical part of myself, which had been dormant since, honestly, since I got married and since I moved to Lawrence and got married and started having kids. Right. Like all of that went away for 20 years. So when this happens, uh, are there weekly practices and how often are gigs? Mm -hmm. So we're practicing weekly or every other week. And um, we were playing shows. We're trying to play once a month. Right. And all that was great until COVID hit. And then we just got shut down. Where were all of your gigs in Lawrence? Mm -hmm. And which ones did you play at? We played Lucia. We played the replay. We played the jazz house. We played some private parties and stuff. Um, All paid gigs. The last time we played the replay, we got paid $22. So does that count? Is that after your bar tab is taken out? Like, why? How is that the amount? Bar tab. How do they land on $22? Can I tell you that the life of a musician is not particularly lucrative or self-supporting? Well, I, yeah, I know. but that's, that's why I have a tarot business. My tarot reading business supports my music habit. That's a super strange amount, though, for a four-member It was some band. portion of the door. Oh, okay, okay. Some percentage gotcha. of the door, and it was $22 in small bills. <laughs> wow. Um, I shit you not. But anyway... I joined this band and I'm reconnecting with my musical roots and I'm having so much fun and I start aging backwards, right? That's when I started aging backwards. And Matthew, who introduced himself on my front porch and um, seduced me into the band, and I'll say that he seduced me into the band. It was an absolute seduction. (laughs) And he knew exactly what was missing in my life and he... Um, took advantage of me. I can say that honestly. What? What? Wait. He could see in my eyes what I was missing in my life. You're not saying that as though it's a bad thing. No, though. it was oh. such a good thing. Okay. Okay. He saved me. Wow. Um, he saved me in a lot of ways. Anyway, are there two? Matthew, there's two people. Matthew and Patrick are brothers. Yeah, the butchery or something like they're on the. They both get slaughter back. Slaughter that that's what it is. Yeah, they that both was get nowhere really close. credit in my liner notes. But Matthew, who lives in Hutch, he's a he's a general practitioner. He's a doctor. Okay. That's what he does professionally. But he is also a songwriter and a creative genius and a fun, really fun, deeply creative, fun, beautiful person. And he writes songs and he had been recording songs with Carter Green at Green Jean Studios in Wellington, Kansas, which mm-hmm. is just south of I've, Wichita. Yeah, I've had to go there Across for training. the highway from Winfield. Yeah. You're familiar with Wellington. Yeah. Tiny town. That's where a studio is. So Matthew had recorded, you know, six or seven songs down there with Carter. And Matthew sent me some of his, you know, solo stuff. 
that he had recorded. And he goes in with a guitar part and a vocal, and he comes out of there with a complete instrumentation and a song. How? Because Carter plays the drums, the percussion, ah. the rhythm guitar, the electric guitar, the acoustic guitar, the bass, the Somebody's fucking playing. saxophone, all the strings. strings. He's a beautiful fiddle player. That's what it is. There's two two tracks on mm-hmm. that have mm-hmm. beautiful strings. Beautiful strings. And he has an orchestration degree from the University of Chicago. Wow. Like, when I say he is a brilliant, brilliant musician, I cannot, I cannot possibly overstate his talent. And he gives himself no credit, right? But he can write an arrangement. He, can, I can go in with a piano part, and in thirty minutes, he's written an entire string quartet. Wow orchestration okay so all the musicians on the record did get credit but they didn't there's only two of us it's me and carter those are the only musicians on my entire album anything i didn't play carter did really yes Uh, okay so the the two brothers no they didn't play anything but but they were just they just got a shout out inspired me okay because matthew went in and recorded these songs and all he's ever played was the guitar part, right? And he comes out with these complete songs. And I'm like, how the fuck did you do this? Uh, and he said, Carter Green is You're going to this. Carter with vocals and piano and he's filling and in I the rest. And I was like, well, I've written a couple songs because I had found my notebook by then. Right. I said, I, I've written a couple songs. He's like, go record them. And I was like, oh, I, I don't think I could do that. And he's like, oh yeah, you can. Just go do it. Just email Carter, tell him I sent you and book studio time. And I was like, fuck, I can do that? And he's like, you can do that. So I did that. I emailed Carter and I booked studio time. And so the first time I did that was February of 2020. Okay. And I went into the studio with Carter. I had no idea what to expect. I had made a stupid demo on my phone with me playing my piano and recording a vocal track over it. And... Um, this won't last long. Was the first okay. Won't last long. Was the first song I recorded with him, which is my kind of crossover country tune. Nice. So wait, which was one of the ones I had written in the early 1990s. Okay, living in my dad's house so, in Chicago. You first go there and in, in, in you said his studios in Wellington. In Wellington. So you first go there in 2020, and then are you just in February of 2020? Sprinkling and I have in one song. Right. Right won't last long and I go in there with a piano part and a vocal and I come out of there with the entire instrumentation that you hear right. on the album and I'm fucking hooked so I'm like this is the greatest experience of my entire it's really cool life the um, process of making that song in the studio with him is life-changing and then I was hooked, and then it was like one song after another, boom, boom. That's what boom, I was going to ask. So then, are mm-hmm. you? You've everything's coming from the notebook. Mm-hmm. But well, there were four songs in the notebook. Okay, and the rest of the songs, I, I say I wrote. The rest of the songs I received. But are you taking? Are you going to his studio, one song at a time? Originally, I did one song at a time, okay. but then I was like, I have to be more efficient. So then I would book two days back to back. And stay overnight, oh. either with him or with Matt. Sure. And do one song one day, and then stay overnight, and then come in and do the next song the next day. And by the end of the album, I was getting so good at this. I did three songs in two days. 
the last three songs, I did Lakota Prayer and With the Ladies and um, Forged in Fire. Is, in who's the, fl- the flout? Is it flautist? That's, um, we, he didn't play the flute. Okay. We played the flute part on the keyboard, but that is a flute sound yeah. that he, he's purchased, you know, probably tens of thousands of dollars of sounds, banks of sounds, sure. right? And you can buy some really high quality stuff. Hmm. And so that sound was called Indian flute. I would have thought it should be called Native American I mean. flute. But it was called Indian flute. Um, but we played it on the keyboard. But that's one of my favorite elements on the album is that flute part on Lakota Prayer. Those uh, are not my lyrics, by the way. They're not. That's a traditional okay. Sioux prayer. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I tried I thought to it was... credit that in the liner notes. Maybe I didn't do a good job of that. Um, That's a prayer. It was. I, I mean, that like I've always been a pretty like I get geeked out about like Native American history, gold, like all of it. Me you too. know, uh, a past life. So mine. it's still. I. I mean, I'm. I might be in the same boat, but mm-hmm. I saw it like that name stuck out, and I was like, oh, it's fucking last. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll, and then I wasn't disappointed. Well, it was interesting because the music came to me again I say I received the music because that that entire song came to me intact fully formed wow the intro the verses the chorus the the chorus is the bridge but I didn't have lyrics to it I just had the music but it felt native to me and it felt deeply spiritual and so I was just googling native prayers thanks google thanks google (laughs) and i came across that particular version of a sioux prayer a daily prayer um is that the the one that has teach me how to trust my mind my my inner and my My intuition yes i was like what i thought you wrote that i was like dude that is really that's a lakota prayer but the fact that those words fit so perfectly with the music yeah that was a fucking miracle. That's great. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, the music was written totally independently. I hadn't even found the prayer yet. So we're talking like essentially. They were meant to be together. 12 months mm-hmm. for, for from the first time you from go. the first song I recorded until when I released the album. Uh-huh. And so. I finished recording in September, so it was more like six months of a recording okay. process. And then what was happening? So from September to February, I had to take album photography. I had to have some photos, right, to put out an album. I had 10 songs yeah. at that point. And Carter um, said, well, Tanya, you need to release these now. And I was like, I don't, what do you mean? He's like, you need to release them, put them out in the world. They need to be doing something, they need to go somewhere. And my brother, Joe, who lives in Chicago, for whom Forged in Fire was written, um, he's also a, he's a drummer. Cool. And he's in a band. And they record all their own music, and they release stuff all the time. He's in a death metal band called Arriver. And one day, you'll check them out, and you'll be like, the fuck is this? I mean, I just got the image of I said Arriver, I heard berserker and they write these epic 17 minute long songs about the korean war no 
the Russian, Jap, Jap, uh, Japanese, Russian, more, I don't know. They write, it's interesting. Yeah. Stuff. Well, I, and I, you can't I, understand any of the lyrics. No. And anyway, that's the band my brother's in. But Clerk, he's clerks, very... Berserker, mm-hmm. Olaf. Yes. Exactly. Said arriver, I immediately pictured. Bing. Yeah. Yeah, you're there. You're right there. Um, but he's knowledgeable in this, and he's in the he has production all the world, and that and he's how, a okay. super nerd and very geeky, and he understands all the equipment and the technology and the recording and the releasing. So he is trying to help me. He's like, "Well, you need to set up an account with DistroKid, right? That's the label that I use to release everything." Okay. And how'd you choose you that? Upload your songs to Distro because he told me to. Okay. And I just do what he yeah. tells me yeah. to do. And you upload your songs to DistroKid and you pay for your, you know, annual subscription to have that and that's your label. And they're going to release it to all of the streaming platforms for you, right? So you choose your label, you pay your fees, you upload your music. They then release your music to whatever platforms you choose. And I've told them to release it to all of the platforms, Right. So then that's how it gets out to Spotify and Apple and Amazon and Deezer. And uh, there's a million. Stitcher and Pocket Cast. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. And and he's like, and you also need a band camp. Yeah. Website. Okay. I was curious. Because that's your website. And people can actually purchase your music directly. And you can put merchandise on there and stuff. Right. So you need a band camp website. And then your YouTube, you need to open a YouTube account and your distro kid account and your YouTube account eventually will sync up. And then everything you released through your label will end up on your YouTube site. Um, but it takes a while for that to sync up, but it'll get there. And then you can, once it syncs up, then you can start uploading your own videos to your youtube channel it's not a site it's a channel okay right right right, yeah um so now you have a youtube channel to manage and a band camp site and your label and but then you also need to do your social media stuff you have to get instagram and a twitter and you have to get your facebook page you have to get all this stuff coordinated you can promote yourself telling you this my brother's telling me all this shit and i'm just like my eyes are glazing over and i'm like i just wanted to write some songs man you know He's like, oh, and your album photography has to be professional. You can't just take a selfie. Yeah. You need to get actual. What is that? Is that's, that your dog? It's the dog. I'm, mm. I, 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 can, I could pee and I'll let we'll her out. We'll take a break? Yeah. Okay. Everything all right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a friend who's dying of stomach cancer. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's heavy. It is heavy. Our age? No. He's a little older. He's in his late sixties, I think. Maybe maybe early seventies, late sixties, early seventies. I don't know. He's kind of ageless. He's a beautiful man. Anyway, I was supposed to I've seen him the last two weekends in a row and we've had good visits and I didn't when I saw him two weekends ago, I didn't think I'd see him last weekend. And when I saw him last weekend, we made a plan to see each other on Thursday this week, but I didn't expect that he'd be here then, and I don't expect that he'll be here Thursday. And I just got a message from a friend that he's taken a turn for the worse, which 
I'm not surprised. Wow. To hear. I mean, he hasn't eaten in two weeks. Oh, my God. You know? Well, he has stomach cancer. <sighs> yeah. Uh, but to be a witness to his experience of ending this life, like, I, just, I can't imagine a more... Um, beautiful thing to be invited into like spending that. time with him mm-hmm. yeah man i thought it would be scary to me and i thought i thought you're one of you were going to say one of your kids couldn't find their phone charger or something <laughs> like, jesus no it's bigger than that yeah but it's quite it's quite a blessing to be invited into that circle yeah so will you see him the thursday of death if if I don't know. I'm going to touch base with her tomorrow. I don't know that he'll be here Thursday. And if he is here Thursday, I don't know. I bet he'll be just sleeping. Right, then. right. Jesus. But. All right. It's okay. Um, anyway, where were Your we? brother is saying you got to get your Instagram. and Right. So he's telling me all this shit that I have to do to be ready to release my album. And I have to have professional photography. And you're because, like, I just wanted to write some music. Right. So who is manage? I mean, because you got like your lyrics are on Apple Music. I mean, how did those get there? Um, I don't know. And From who, my band camp. Okay. Maybe I maybe I uploaded them to DistroKid. Maybe I okay. uploaded them to my label okay. when I uploaded my songs. Is there merch on your? On Bandcamp, yeah. there's CDs, but okay. that's the only merch. Now, I'm thinking about coasters. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do coffee mugs, T-shirts, and socks, and maybe a, a beanie, a stocking cap. But I'd, a what flat I'd, cap? No. Oh. No. no like, Isn't that a beanie? Oh, oh, like that. Yeah. A toque, a beanie, a what stocking cap. What should I... What wouldn't people buy? Like, I don't want people to walk around with a T-shirt of me. That's I mean, fucking crazy. Women make crazy amounts of money selling their worn underwear. You could try, try that. They get, like, requests. What? Like, oh, yeah. What? Oh, yes. No. I want, like, you know, six days straight, unwashed, like, no shit, you know? Or I want... How can they I how want, can they know that, that, that you're giving them what they've ordered? I mean, who knows? They're just gonna... And fucking... <laughs> and just, <you> know, <laughs> But, but, you know, I want like... I had no like, idea there was a market for this. Uh, the, I think there's... I think it's a Do lucrative... Do women buy the same thing from men? Is there a market oh, for that? I, well, I would hope not. But <laughs> there might be. There might be. Uh, but, but you're I, not shopping on those sites. I'm not. I know. I've heard, <laughs> I've heard about you're this stuff it. from a podcast. Oh, you've heard about yeah. it. Yeah. I'm sure you but, did. And, you know, <laughs> like very, very specific, like uh, I, want, I want post-period panties and... Is this... Could I support my music career I mean, selling my underwear? Because I love giving tarot readings. I love it. I'll do that for as long as I possibly can. But if I could just sell like a day's worth of underwear? Uh, I think a day's worth is... Six days worth? Yeah, of- I mean, you know, I mean, I think it's like a legit, like, uh, you know, like people that sell shit on eBay. Mm-hmm. They got to take, you can't just, you got to take it to the place, to the post or whatever, so that you get a scan. Yeah. I mean, it's like legit. Yeah. Okay. I need to give that some thought. I mean. I don't have any really um, provocative merch at all on my CD. Oh, I I don't, I don't, (laughs) well, okay, so when. But there's great art on that CD. 
So when somebody purchases a CD, mm-hmm. do you have a box at your house that you then physically, or is it being managed by another? <laughs> no, that's me. Okay. I take a CD out of my drawer and I put it in an envelope and I go to the UPS yeah. store and I write, I write a little handwritten note in there and I write the address on the envelope and I ship it. Wow. That's how that uh, works. This note was in my underwear for 30 minutes. <laughs> My buddy, when I sent the dude that was the guest on episode one, uh, I sent him the logo and he, I mean, within seconds hit me back with uh, links to Zazzle. <laughs> what? And, and so it was like coffee mugs and like yoga pants and oh all god. this shit with my logo on oh it. Oh my God. And I was like. I need to hook up with this guy. Well, I mean, it's just, it's just the website. I don't, I, I think I only have like three fans though. So who's really going to purchase it? I don't know. But I mean, I. I am I'm gonna sell I'm gonna try to sell some merch down the road just because it'll make me giggle. I'm not trying to like, you know, make any I money. I was thinking on it, but... coasters, but I okay. really needed to be thinking underwear. I was go- I was thinking really small. Okay. Thank you. So um So, so my brother y- really taught me how to be um a m- producer and marketer of so you have zero people handling any details for you no it's all me which is why it's probably pretty bad i wouldn't say that i wouldn't say that but the tarot thing supporting the music piece is 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 studio time that pays for my studio time is that your biggest expense oh for sure yeah yeah because youtube and instagram are free right right um, I pay $14 a year for my distro kid label. Nice. Fees. So that's an expense. Right. And um, other than that, you know, it's, yeah, it's free. Okay. Um, I did just purchase a bunch of gear because here's the thing. Like I need to figure out how to perform my music live because I play my my piano was manufactured the year of my birth in 1972, so it's 50-year-old piano. It's an or 92 upright. if you're, we're talking about your dad. Or if we're in dad years. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that. Um, but I can't haul that piano around with me to perform, Mm-mm. right? And I don't play the guitar. I probably at some point in my life should have learned how to play it, but I don't. So for me to perform my music live, I have to play the piano because that's how I wrote the songs and that's the basis of all of them Um, but I don't have a way of doing that live because there are no pianos sitting around in bars not or wherever I would be playing a keyboard nothing 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 will serve I know but I mean until my birthday and my brother Dave and my brother Joe pitched in and bought me a beautiful Yamaha digital piano, which has the most beautiful action and the greatest dynamics. And I love it. And so I've bought a stand. I have a bench arriving supposedly from Sweetwater on Thursday. And but and I have a mic and a stand that my ex-husband gave me for Christmas. God love him. But I still need a mixer and a powered speaker. Like I need all this shit, right? I need all this gear so that I can go play live. Well, and will you go play solo? You won't have? I won't. I'm probably not smart enough to figure out how to play to my backing tracks. What does that mean? So I could, if I were smart, which I'm not, 
if I were more technologically capable, I, with my mixer and maybe a laptop setup, Mm -hmm. I could have a click track in in in-ears playing that I could play my piano to. And then the other, I could have drums, I I could have violin parts, I could have the guitars, the bass, whatever, from the instrumentation for my album, I could have backing tracks that are playing out through those speakers that I also hear in my in-ear monitors. Mm-hmm. And I could have at least one or two different tracks playing with me, right. but I'm not smart enough to figure all that out. Well, and that seems like a lot that could go wrong. So I'm just going to play um, Unplugged, oh. me and my piano. Cool. And and so when you arrive at that, will you then be like a hundred percent on your own to get stuff there and get set up and break oh, stuff yeah. down so and get stuff? So I needed stuff. a very lightweight keyboard and a portable folding lightweight stand, and I still need to figure out the. I mean, some places I play will have a PA, so I don't need to bring a mixer and a powered speaker, but some places won't, so I have to figure all that out. Are we t- talking strictly Lawrence or just? Are you going to oh, hit the Lawrence road? for now, but I could play anywhere. But I have a job and kids. Like, I can't go on the road. I mean, if the pay is for more dollars <laughs> My share of the door, $22. Right. That might cover my gas uh, there, not anymore. but not back. Not anymore. Not back. Right. So, but I feel like you have to be performing your stuff. Well, it's right? like if you... Just being a recording artist isn't enough you have to be playing out if you write a, if you publish a book you're out giving readings and signings right. and so forth i need to play my music i mean right so i had to acquire a bunch of gear to do that and i'm in the process of doing that but i haven't exactly booked i had a show my first show was booked for april 7th but then i canceled it in order to be able to play with my my best friend who is also a beautiful musician, but she couldn't do that show. So we got pushed back to August and she wanted me with her cause I sing her harmony parts and she didn't want to do it without me. And so I gave up my gig in order to be able where, to perform Where was it booked? Her. So there's um, this women's songwriters showcase that happens once a month in Lawrence. At once the, a month? At the Caw Valley Public House. Wow. And somebody tagged me on Facebook when they um, posted, the woman who runs this little affair, um, posted that she was looking for new talent. Talent is the right word. What did you say? Blood. (laughs) New talent. (laughs) Is she a vampire? Songwriter (laughs) showcase. And somebody tagged me on her post, and I was like, yep, sign me up. Because I think if I put it on my calendar... Then, then I have to get all this shit together. Then I have a deadline, yeah. right? And I'll have to get my gear and I'll that's have to make it, it happen. That's how I wound up propping cameras on scotch tape and phrase books. Because you gave yourself a deadline yeah, and yeah. you had to do it, yeah. right? So I gave myself that deadline and she was like, yes, please come. Please be a part of it all. And then she was looking for one more performer and I was like, my friend Allison would be so great. Let me get her hooked up. But then... She, but then that didn't work. That date didn't work for Allison. And so then everything just got mucked up. And now I'm not doing it till August. But I'm just gonna, I just have to put myself out there. Like I'll find a place to play. I'll go play in a restaurant somewhere. It doesn't matter. Okay. So 
it took you it took about six months to record the album Mm -hmm. and then six months from that point it was ready to be released six months from there i was taking photography and getting all my shit show lined up and figuring out all the technology and getting my my social media pages ready and designing album i had an actual graphic designer designed the album cover for me because my brother Joe said, you need a professional to do this because how many times are you going to release an album in your life, yeah. sister? Yeah. Right? You I mean, do it right. I, so you have a professional design the album cover for you. And I'm like, well, there's another fucking $400, right? And you pay the photographer and there's $600 yeah. and Whatever. I'm just throwing money at this shit. Yeah. I paid a gal to design the logo and the website, mm-hmm. and it wasn't cheap. No. Uh, she's great. She did a great job. But you job. pay talented people for their talent. Like, but, I believe in paying people yeah. for their talent. But, it, but It's important to pay artists for their fucking artistry. Yes. Yes. But, so I was, I was elated to support those artists in their craft. Right. Right? And their craft was contributing to my craft, but it just took a while to get yeah. all that shit so together. So now, now I'm I'm dealing with monthly hosting fees for oh. this to live on the website, which is fine. But if I want it to go to Spotify and Apple and all the places, then you I you need the- to release it through a label like me, right? Maybe I don't know. How do you get? your podcast on Spotify. You use you can't do it directly. You've got to use these platforms like Buzzsprout is one. Mm-hmm. There's a couple others, but they all, you know, who's, like who's the dickhead that's caused all the Spotify controversy lately that like Neil Young decided Joe Rogan? Yeah. Neil Young isn't gonna be on Spotify anymore and India REA decided she wasn't going to be on Spotify who? anymore. Because of Joe Rogan. Who? Oh India. Oh India REA. Yeah. I don't know who that is. <gasps> But those, pe- I guarantee you, none of those people have any idea what goes on. Right? On the- How did Joe Rogan get on Spotify? Because his shit is amazing, and Spotify gave him a hundred million dollars, and that. Right. But they're not going to give you a hundred million dollars. Oh, I wouldn't. No, I just don't want to pay twenty five dollars a month to some other mm-hmm. thing for it mm-hmm. to get to the place. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They can just live on the website for now. But everything, I mean. Like I, I, I spent zero. But once zero... you get on Spotify, you have to get on a playlist. Like just because you're on Spotify doesn't mean anyone hears you or sees you. Interesting. You have to somehow get onto playlists to get exposure wow. on Spotify. And I don't know how to do that yet. Like I look at my Spotify stats and like in a month I'll have had, you know, four streams or 10 streams uh-huh. in a month. Uh-huh. I'm I'm not growing an audience on Spotify. Yeah, but I mean I don't know how to do that. But isn't the most important part of it the the receiving of then the producing of the content that comes For me absolutely. Right? It's more it means more than views, right? Absolutely. Absolutely, but um I it it is special for me and rewarding for me when another human being connects with my music absolutely that is a profoundly powerful beautiful experience and it doesn't happen very often like my own family but does it carry my own family doesn't even like my music yeah i mean it's okay um it doesn't land i think all three of my for them all three of my sisters started 
the first episode of the podcast and who 40 minutes i don't know how far they got i didn't really ex- and they were like mm, not what, for me they're, they're busy they're bored they're, they're bored, bored and they're busy, or busy. Yeah. um but uh it's been an absolute joy having the conversations and so far three out of three times when i go to do the editing which is very lengthy oh yeah i mean episode two at 21 you're gonna have to edit about 90 percent of what i've said what do you mean? Because I ramble incessantly. Oh no no, that's not. I'm just I'm just, I'm talking about just making the cameras, you know, go to you when you're talking and go to me when I'm talking. Hey, okay. And then fitting in the audio, all of that is like t- hours and hours. Twenty one hours for episode mm-hmm. two. I'm I'm, I'm better at it now, but I'm literally I when I finish, I have a sore sore cheeks because I'm smiling the whole time editing. It's so I love it. Delightful. I love it. You're delighted and by it. And it's like whatever, it's however many views, however many, you know, if monetization happens, whatever. It just doesn't even I don't matter. care. That's not why I'm doing it. Exactly. It's not why I'm doing it either. You know, I'm not screaming at the YouTube gods being like, I've got a mortgage, goddammit. No, that's not why I'm doing this. You know what I mean? But it does feel good when someone else feels the joy that you feel. Yeah. From the content that has passed through your physical body yeah. out into the world. So I, I get that. All right. So do you, you want to play another song? I do, but not yet. Oh. Um, so 12 months to get it out. And From my first recording right. experience when I was very green and had no fucking idea what I was doing. Right. To releasing the album approximately a year later. Yeah. And you decided at that point that... I released the whole album, all 10 songs, boom, in one album, which was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. I should have released the songs one at a time. Right. Drip, Which you've done. Drip. Well, that's what I'm doing from now on. I know, but is there... So this one's been out for eight days, you said? Seven days. Seven days. I think I released it on Wednesday last week because I finished recording it on Tuesday. Released it on Wednesday. What's today? Tuesday. Tuesday. Not even seven days, six days. So is the next one ready to go? Or? Oh, yeah, it's done. I'm just How many more are waiting? Ready? I sent it to you. You did? Uh-huh. I emailed it to then you. Then you sent me the new track? I, I thought I emailed you both my new tracks. Shit. That's okay. Because I, um, I mean, I, knew, I, knew, I know you emailed me two different things. Uh-huh. But I also, before I really... But you're the only one who's heard the other one. But before I looked at the email, I I went to the... To the um, the YouTube. Well, no, to the the band camp from your Instagram. Yeah, and the other one's one's not out yet on band camp. Because I'm timing it. Right, so... For maximum impact. But we could play it tonight. This could be a... This could be a little sneak preview let's and all of your six listeners or three listeners or one listener could hear it before it's actually released let's do marked and see where we go from there okay so you are ready to play a song Some will leave a mark that fades in time. 
stuff you um, liked it I did a lot um, I meant to say uh, I don't know if it necessarily reminds me but it does a little bit the the way that one ends the first uh, used to be mm-hmm. that one not only ends similarly but it ends with like a cu- uh, uh, like a couple of haunting words Mm-hmm. How, what is it? Will you remember me at all or something? Yeah. How does that end? Yeah. Will you remember me at all? Yeah. Which mm-hmm. didn't, I did not see that coming. Like, I was like, oh my God, that, you know, because I think the mm-hmm. the volume is uh, like the sound, the sound of your voice is actually like kind of fading also mm-hmm. almost to a whisper, kind of like casting this sort of gray death image. I don't, <laughs> something, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, yeah, wow. that song was written from a very deeply broken, devastated place that you had to leave a state for because of different guy. different. Okay, different <laughs> <laughs> Okay, all right. So we've we've done a lot of dabbling in the in the twenty twenties. We mm-hmm. got to back it up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So you're the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, mom and dad met where? Um, I don't know who's going to listen to this podcast, but I sh- I'll just be truthful. My dad was married to my brother Dave's, my half-brother Dave's mother. Okay. And cheated on her with my mother. Okay. And that's how. And had two babies with her. And had two babies. Okay. My brother Joe right. and me. So that's how they met. Okay. Somehow we're all friends now. <laughs> like Thanksgiving and shit? Yeah, we okay, have Thanksgiving sure. together. Nice. Nice. All the exes. Where was this where was this going down? So um this was in Chicago. Okay. Dad has always been in Chicago, you said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now my dad was born and raised in Louisville. But he had moved to Chicago at this point and that's where he met my mom. Um and um, my brother Dave was born there. And so when my dad and my mom got together, they actually, my mom was pregnant and they moved to Louisville, Kentucky. And that's where my brother Joe was born. And I was born um, 15 months later. We're very close in age. And my dad, um, all through. Wait, and what's the age of older brother compared to he, middle brother? So my Joe is fifteen months older than me, and my brother Dave is six years, five six and a half years older than so me. So was this marriage over? So that was over, like done, and done. And then my dad just... had a toddler, right? And then moved with my mom to Louisville. But mo- the mom didn't. She just let him go with the with the kid. Yeah, well, he had visitation and saw him summers and stuff. Oh, okay, gotcha. Actually, he came to stay with us for summers. Right, right, right. my mom ended up, I mean, they, you know, my mom ended up being very close with my half-brother Dave because he would come and spend the summers with his dad, which meant 
my dad was never around, right? So really what that meant was he spent his summers with my mom, his stepmother, and his two um, half-siblings. Half siblings. Yeah, okay. And we had a great time. Good. While my dad was off doing God knows fucking what. You anyway, actually don't know? Well, my dad um, is has been bipolar his oh. whole life and has struggled with mental illness and... Um, you know, my mom, he and my mom split up when I was six months old, but during the time that I was between when I was born and when they split up, my mom had him hospitalized against his will because he was completely fucking psychotic. Yikes. Like, it was not good. No, it doesn't sound like it. It wasn't good. And he hated her for that and took him a while to get beyond that but my you know my dad is a he's a genius you know I don't know what his IQ is he's a genius but uh, along with that kind of intelligence and creativity frequently comes struggle and mental illness and that was certainly the case for my dad we talked about Ryan Adams in episode one like insanely gifted talented but it's the all the problems fuel the fire for his prolificness yes like my buddy was saying he has gone into the studio and recorded complete albums and like one thing is off and he's like nope i'm done in the vault in the vault and then start over with with new new material yeah sid barrett level shit right well yeah and Sid my Barrett. dad has mellowed a lot in his older age. Okay. But. So he was, was hospitalized little, in Louisville, but mm-hmm. eventually Against he's out. Well. Eventually like, he's out. Like people came and took him away in a straight jacket and hauled him off to the. And in those days you could do that. Uh-huh. You can't do that anymore. No. But in those days you could. And they put him on lithium and I don't know. My mom essentially raised my brother Joe and me, but we had a stepdad who entered the scene. Okay, at and how old are you? You're six months when this happened, and then how mm-hmm. old are you when stepdad comes around? Stepdad was already on the scene. Oh, okay. Stepdad and biological dad and mom were all living together in kind of a early 70s free love. God, you were bound and determined for the life you're living today. <laughs> And I really think that my bio dad was looking for someone to replace him because he knew he really couldn't. How introspective. He couldn't do it. Wow. He couldn't be there. So my stepdad, whose name is Tony, who I have no contact with, who I have not had contact with since mm, I was eight years old. So that, that didn't last well, it lasted long enough. Lasted long enough um, to, you know, I grew up in a. I don't remember obviously yeah. my life with my bio dad. I was six right. months old. Yeah. All I remember is my life with my stepdad and my mom, and he was our primary caregiver because my mom was the breadwinner. And he was just he was a damaged person. I don't know how else to describe him. Um. 
he uh he was also mentally ill and um he was abusive of my brother and me. He was abusive of my mom. It sounds he like was, your mom's got to do a little bit better job dude picking. She didn't pick the greatest guys. Happens. It's okay. So I he's think, gone when you're eight. I think my stepdad loved us in the only way that he knew how to love us, but it was not a healthy way. And so that song, Forged in Fire, that. I mean, that's what I'm referring to is growing up. My brother and I grew up in a household that was fucked up. So you guys were shaped in within the realm, the construct of like super intense heat, for lack of a better exactly. word. And you turned out how you turned out. It was not a very safe upbringing at all in any way, shape or form. And, you know, there's a line in that song in the bridge, it's okay to tell the truth. Yeah, that stuck out. I wasn't even looking for it. You know, I wasn't looking at the lyrics or anything, but I heard that and I was like, whoa. So the day I finally told my mom the truth about what was happening, I never saw my stepdad again. You weren't kidding when he said he was being abusive. Oh no, she filed charges and we left the state and I never spoke to him or saw him again. For the rest of my at, life. At eight. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, um, I don't, you know, I don't know if he's okay. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he's right. doing. Nor do you need to, really. He was. I think he was abused by his dad, too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the cycle ends with my brother and me. That was the end Good of job, that. Good job, Mom. Thanks. Yeah. So you guys leave and go where? So my mom remarried. Okay. She married my next stepdad. And we moved to Naperville, Illinois. And we started living a very pedestrian, normal Now is this half-brother no longer in the mix? So we still see him all the time, okay. you know? But when we would visit our bio dad, we would all visit together. Okay. And he was super fun time dad. Right, we'd go spend a couple of weeks with him in the summers. Yeah, and it was all like Burger King, movies, arcades. Do you remember arcades? Of course, I remember. Oh my arcades. god, we would spend, we would eat entire weekends in an arcade. Yeah, it was good times. We had so much fun. Every Star Wars movie, every Close Encounters movie, every um, like everything formative in my childhood. Happened, happened on with Dad's my watch. brothers and my dad. Yeah. Okay. That's why I'm a nerd, and <laughs> and we were we were a super musical family. Well, all right, all right. So we would always sing together, and we would find these beautiful four part harmonies. And you and brothers with dad. Yes, my dad has a beautiful bass voice. Okay. Bass baritone. My brother Dave eventually grew into a bass voice, but when we were kids, you know, um, we would sing together. And um, my dad's an amazing pianist as well. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Still plays today. Mm -hmm. Even with all. So when I went to see him over my birthday weekend, you know, I told you yeah. he has dementia. Yeah. He doesn't know how old he is. He doesn't know how old I am. He doesn't know what year it is. But you sit him down at his piano. 
Wow. And you put um, a Bach invention in front of him, and he can fucking sight read that shit. Wow. It's beautiful. I mean... That's, I can't do that. No, but I mean, it's is he? Does he have stress or anxiety at all? Because it sounds like he would be free of those things. He doesn't anymore. Right. I mean, not that it's necessarily a good thing, but like we have. I think he's pretty. He's pretty at peace. He's pretty happy. That's which, good. You know, many people with um, dementia become irritable and angry and why do you think that is i don't know why because they're aware maybe my dad isn't angry or irritable at all he's so sweet and peaceful and he's just full of love that's cool it's beautiful that that is his experience of the loss of his identity right the loss of his um his life sweet and peaceful over irritable and angry it's okay it's a win-win so did third was third time a charm for mom marriage wise? Oh no, she's single now. She's single now. So and she had a marriage prior to my dad, my bio dad. Okay, okay. She married um a man that she met in college. She went to UT. She was right in she Austin? grew up in Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. But she went to UT and she met this guy and married him and that's how she ended up in Chicago because he was a physicist and was teaching at Northwestern in Evanston. So that's how she ended up in Chicago. And he was a fucking lunatic, jackass, crazy. Um, I think she was cheating on him with my dad while my dad was cheating on my brother Dave's So much fucking going on. With her, right. But this guy like pulled a gun on my mom. Oh, shit. And I, I think he was still teaching at, Northwestern when my brother Joe went to college there and became a physics major. So that's kind of creepy. Whoa. I know. They never met. So (laughs) whenever... I think he's retired now. I'm sure he is because my mom's, you know, she's almost 80. Right. Whenever uh, mom, whenever you're doing, whenever you're on mom and stepdad's watch, is is there music? there or is music coming from my mom loves music it wasn't we didn't connect through music the way i did with my brothers and my dad okay that's definitely on that side of my family and it's my dad's mom my kaplan grandmother her name was marie kaplan i feel her presence very profoundly and very strongly and when I was a little girl, and I would go to Louisville um, for summers, that's where my grandparents, um, I mean, I, I grew up in Louisville, but then even when I moved away, I would come back and visit them for the summers. I was very close with both my grandparents, and they had a piano in their basement. And I would be down in their basement playing just nonsense like, I didn't know how to play the piano. Not even chopsticks or anything. No, kind of I would just play row, like these row, row grand boat. orchestrations that were only happening in my head. But I would sit at her piano and just, I could hear beautiful things playing in my head. I'm sure what they were listening to was, you know, cacophony. Yeah. 
Um, but I would spend hours in their basement just pounding away on that piano. And she tolerated it. She never made me stop. She's, she would just fill me up with M&Ms and <laughs> Coca-Cola yeah. and Sprite and um, Big Red. Do you remember Big Red? Gum? The cinnamon gum? No, the oh. the um, soda. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. No big red. That's a, that's a Kentucky thing. Okay. Yeah. It's like a cream ale. Oh, yeah. I bet I'd like right. it. Anyway, she'd fill me up with, and she would make cream cheese and olive sandwiches on rye bread. We were super Jewish. Really? Like that part of my family is Jewish. Okay. Is Kaplan a Jewish name? Mm-hmm. It is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she'd let me pound away on the piano in her basement, and she's let me be, she let me be my crazy little self. So you've gone with Sieber on your that's, on your releases. But it's part of what took me so long to release the album because I was in the process of separating from my husband. Yeah. I couldn't decide what my professional name Well yeah. Now be. you have shit out and you're not divorced yet. Right. I mean now that I have to keep that name forever because now that's my professional name. Interesting. But for a while, I thought, well, I didn't want to be Tanya Kaplan because that would confuse people. But I didn't want to be Tanya Sieber because that locked me into... Confuse people, how? An identity. Well, nobody knows me as Tanya Kaplan. Right. Like, why would you release an album I think under if, your maiden name? That's Because you got divorced. But it's just weird. Uh, I think so it, I I think it would fit the image perfectly for the new lane that you're going down. <laughs> I bet there would... No, I'm serious. I bet yeah. zero people would be like... I'm confused. And I'd be like, no, that's Tanya now. That's, yeah. Would, anyway. But I didn't feel any. Um, no connection to Kaplan? Resonant with Kaplan oh. than I did with Siebert. Like, it, it didn't feel closer to my identity. So I thought I should come up with a completely different name. I won't be Kaplan or Sieber. I'll make up my own last name, right? Wait, did you? Well, I thought about that oh. for a long time. <laughs> I was like, and I missed I that. I toyed with a million different options, and they were all stupid. Mm-hmm. Stupid. I, I bet. I bet. So then I just went with Tanya Sieber. Hey. <laughs> that's right. It works. Because I had to put the fucking album out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you said uh, The Wall mm-hmm. was, okay. So The so, very first album I ever but you're not, owned, you're, thanks you're, to my dad. You're not really my consuming dad. music with mom. No, but when you're hanging out with dad and brothers' mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. Uh, gr- his his mom has the piano in the mm-hmm. basement that mm-hmm. lets you. Uh, Thank you for being such a good listener. I mean, I'm you're tracking on all of those little details. I'm try- I mean, that's amazing to me. Well, I think it would be. A, I my my sister like I she watched a few minutes of episode one. She's like, you asked the same question twice. I was like, I'm gonna forget stuff. Like, I mean, I'm trying to be a good host, but... I think you're a great host. Oh, thanks. Um, Thank you. So, you, okay. you got The Wall first. I got The Wall, my very but first album. But when I, when I asked you, like, uh, the, the idea of this is, like, what's the most, number one, life-changing, mm-hmm. impactful mm-hmm. record, mm-hmm. you did not say The Wall. Mm-mm. In fact, you said, oh, that's easy. Dark Side of the Moon. And I think that... The other song that I recorded last week that you haven't heard yet, that I haven't released yet, is like my homage to the dark side of the moon. Because that song is just a big, spacey, ethereal wave of 
it's just a vibe. It just sucks you in. It plops you on top of a wave and it transports you to an entirely different universe. And what's it called? It's called Sweet Night. Sweet Night. All right. So I've not. I'm I'm certain I emailed you did. it to you. You did, but I don't know how this, if we're going to be able to hear it. Let's Are you going to play it from the. It's Sweet Night.
dude, that's fucking awesome. Holy shit. That's My homage to Pink Floyd. Mr. Green Jeans down in Wellington mm-hmm. on all the... Synth pad on the strings. That's ones, how we On the ones that. and twos or whatever they say. And that acoustic guitar, I told him when we were constructing the acoustic guitar part, I said, I want it to sound like starlight that is sprinkling in through the veil. That's what the acoustic guitar needs to sound like. The and veil. totally accomplished it. The veil of... Consciousness. Oh. Man. Because that song is all about um, preferring the reality inside my head to the reality outside my head. Okay. What is the reality outside of your head? And there's a veil that separates, well, that's, you know. Life that we walk around in. Life that we have to walk around in. The matrix, okay. The matrix. Bingo. Right. Exactly. Right? But the real stuff is what happens inside Mm -hmm. my head, which I wait all day for till I can lay my head down on my pillow and enter that magical space where the beautiful stuff happens. That's what that song is about. I've, uh, I don't want to go too deep into this, but um, I'm a huge fish fan. Yes. What? What is that Nothing. reaction? I just, I love them too. Oh, oh my okay. God. Okay. Um, so okay. both of my kids are named after songs of theirs, and I've been to like. I think I need that. 77 shows and my first dog that died of pancreatic cancer was named after the keyboard player uh my kids have seen them a collective like 15 times if you count in all the in utero shows um they're so the reason why they work for me is because i am a person that develops a relationship with a song when i listen to it especially on multiple listens, but when you, when somebody like them, so they'll, they'll take a song and while they're performing it live, they'll create a song within the song. And, and it's almost never like, I mean, they rehearse and practice a lot. They write all this stuff. They record albums Mm -hmm. regardless of how you say Mm -hmm. the unit of measure. Mm -hmm. In a studio, they have a, their own studio called The Barn in Vermont, and they go there, and it's just, anyway. Um, but when they, like, are performing a song live, um, the one that comes to mind is, is I watched them, they did a cover of uh, Cross-Eyed and Painless by the Talking Heads. And they get they get to this so they're, you know, they're doing the cross still waiting, they're doing the Talking Heads mm-hmm. portion, mm-hmm. and then they get kind of like into this jam and and there and it i i swear to god all i can see is like somebody on a on a big fat fucking speedboat and they use the cross-eyed and painless the the talking heads portion to sort of get to carve the to get out and far away from everything and then when they hit this jam to carve the channel out it's like they're just on glass, you know, doing like whatever, 70 miles an hour, and it's just smooth. And that it, is exactly the vibe that I wanted to accomplish with the instrumentation of that song. Okay, well, that's that's the imagery that I thought of when you said lay your head down at mm-hmm. night. And So you were eight, 
when you got the wall, when did you first listen to Dark Side? <laughs> what a transition. Well, I mean, I don't know. Uh-huh. So homage to Pink Floyd, we might as well stay. Dark Side, um, it was a couple years later before um, I was exposed to that, but my dad gave that to me as well. On vinyl, cassette? Vinyl. Oh, everything was vinyl at that time. Um, Oh, my God. I just remember I could have stared at that album cover with the prism Mm -hmm. and the, you know. And then all black. Yes. Just all black for days. Yeah, I don't... Uh, Did you ever see the documentary of about the making, the production of Dark Side of the no. Moon? No. Is it... Where so is know, it? You know on the, on, the, on the one song on the album where you have um, the female vocalist... Great gig in the sky. Uh, yeah. Do you know that... Claire, her name's Claire, I think. Well, she sounds black. Yes. But she's white and like pasty and freckled. Yeah. Which is shocking to me. Yeah. I didn't know that till I saw the documentary because you hear her voice and she's so I picture, soulful. I picture, and I you're picture, like, that voice could not come out of a white woman's Yeah, that's body. Aretha Franklin singing that right Thank there. Thank you. Yeah. Not possible. Yeah. I've always imagined that voice to come from just a stout, beautiful, bronzed black woman. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, she's yeah. pasty and white and skinny. And probably British. <laughs> right. Anyway, when she um, recorded that vocal part, you know, they put her in the in the sound booth or whatever. and They gave her like no instruction. No didn't instruction. They? Like just do. And she just, they said improv it. Yes. And so she just, you know, did what she felt. And when she came out afterward in in the documentary, she said, oh my God, that was terrible. She was mortified at how horrible it was she didn't want to she didn't want to hear it she didn't want anyone to hear it she was like oh my god that was terrible i feel awful like i can't believe how bad that was and they were like you nailed it it was rock gold yeah right the, just it'll be the absolute most, gold one of the most popular instrumentals of all time and the most identifiable yeah instrumental of all time so and when she recorded it she was ashamed yeah mortified well hopefully that Isn't didn't that last such long a fascinating story yeah uh we i i knew um you know brain damage eclipse money time i knew all the hits from classic radio but i don't it, it was a minute like i had known those mm-hmm. tracks for a minute before i sat down and, and really listened to it them. and we used to uh go over to my buddy Seth's house and his kid brother Bryce was my my one of my sister's age he had a he had a nice stereo he had the upstairs room so we we went up there and he's like do you got to check blasted. this out we blasted great gig in the sky and there's mm-hmm. i'm sure you're aware but mm-hmm. there's a period when her vocals kind of come down and at the same time the yes. piano's coming yes. up yes and then right at Right at, at the end of like a, a bar of piano notes, somebody goes, if you hear this whisper, you're dying. And like, we're all just three foot bong hits. And you're sure you're dead. Like, that's for you. I mean, like way, way, way be. higher than anybody should mm-hmm. be with our ears to the mm-hmm. speaker listening. Mm-hmm. I mean, what the fuck? Right. That was the Sid Barrett moment. Well. And Sid Barrett, who had been long gone from the band. Two records. But when they recorded that, 
he was out of the picture because he had gone crazy by then. He only was around for Piper at the Gates of Dawn and Saucer right. Full of Secrets. But do you know? Which were records one and two. They hadn't heard from him in years. Yeah. And then he, but he showed up. He showed up yes. during the recording yes. of that album. And looked came like to the disheveled and lost. Right. Came to the studio. Somehow he knew they were there recording it. Showed up at the studio. Didn't contribute anything, but then left. Like, it's fucking creepy. Yeah. Very creepy. Very creepy. So My the, dad could have been Sid Barrett, but he pulled it out. He pulled it out. Wow. He's still here. Um. Yeah, so... Sid Barrett did too much acid. It, way too much. Mm-hmm. Way too much. He died not too long ago. He was around for a while. I didn't know that. Yeah, I think. I think he died oh. not too terribly long ago. Fuck. Uh, by the way, speaking of... Uh, Jethro Tull, Songs from the Wood is another really hugely influential album. Okay. Well, Benefit. Maybe Benefit is, that's the most important album of theirs. I don't know any albums besides Aqualung. Right. Oh, you need to listen to Benefit. Okay, write that down. Yeah. And and can I tell you, okay, so Dark Side of the Moon, Jethro Tull, Benefit, and then, you're going to think this is strange, but um, after the lead singer for Mother Love Bone died unexpectedly. Chris, Chris Wood? Was that his name? Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. The lead Temple singer. Temple of the Dog. Thank you. The lead singer Strike, and the drummer. Chris Cornell. Of yeah, yeah. Soundgarden and the guitar and bass pe- player for Pearl Jam. Yeah. Came together and produced Temple of the Dog. Yep. That to me is perhaps the most sacred collection of songs on the planet. It's pretty fucking good. Uh, I used to offer, we used to do these weird, you know, I did 20 years in restaurants. Mm-hmm. You did some time. I did my time in Baker, restaurants. Baker University. Well, that was after my restaurant after. time. That was my like salvation post crazy restaurant time. There would be these weird challenges. Like um, I would uh, chalk up lines of wasabi powder and challenge servers to like <laughs> or or mix oh a little what make make a wasabi ball and you know throw it in their mouth i mean uh there was one where and there was a prize if you could do it there was a prize um and like can i do a wasabi line with you tonight <laughs> off my butthole mm. <laughs> maybe tomorrow night i need to ease into that um the okay so it was, Did I distract you? It was, oh, yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> I'm mostly just frustrated because I don't have any wasabi in the house, <laughs> and I feel like I have an errand to run now. I know um, you, you missed the moment. You yeah, missed the opportunity. Uh, okay. So uh, there was one, and you know, it was like five bucks or whatever, and uh, there was one that was like a, a coffee mug full of like pancake and waffle syrup, just you know. Oh my god! Um, you know, there was shit that involved mayonnaise. <laughs> But the proudest, the proudest I ever felt and still feel about the challenges that were presented and nobody ever even tried, I would give you $50 cash on the spot if you could hit the high notes to say hello to heaven. I can hit them. No, you can't. Oh, I can. Oh, my God. Play it. I'll sing it. I'll play it along with the track. 
for real. That's like a seven minute track. We don't do it we is. really want to spend seven. Can I tell you my favorite songs on that? Yeah. Okay. Hunger Strike obviously is a yes. beautiful song, right? And that's what got all the radio play. Reach down. Uh huh. I wanna reach down. Yeah. Oh my god, beautiful. Okay, but um Four Walled World. Man, I don't know the the record inside co- and out. I cover that song. Oh just really? Me and my piano. Okay. I got it. Now I'm gonna have to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And um the very last song on the album. The very last song, which is a Chris Cornell. Uh, this was like an interest. He was in his introspective period where okay. he was thinking about love and relationships and connection and sweetness, and it didn't belong anywhere on. Like that whole album was so angry and broken, and and there was so much despair and pain and and a drug addiction and death and goodbyes, right? And then he puts that final song on the album. You just need to revisit it. Yeah, tell me it's the last track, but what's it? Uh-huh. What's the name of okay. it again? Well, hang on, I have to. Oh. All night thing. Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's an all night thing. The chord progression in that song, like that, I think was you know Chris Cornell in his early Soundgarden and mid Soundgarden days, and when he. Um, got together with the guys from Pearl Jam to do that. He was just like cracking open into his raw musical talent. Uh-huh. Like he had just been a screamer yeah. before then, right? And um, I mean, he he'd written some great fucking songs, but it was all very heavy. And but that was and, where the whole world were like, "Dude, you have some pipes." But the world opened up, and his his creativity and and what he heard like he heard these jazzy dissonant crazy chord progressions that were not rooted in um blues they were not rooted in grunge like they were entirely it was a complete departure for him Hmm. and they had these elements of deep deep jazz that I don't know where that shit came from. Like, where did that come from? Did anybody ever ask him about it? Well, so his solo career that he launched, Uh after all of that, that's where he explored all it. And, you know, most people didn't didn't connect with it. Most people didn't get it. Like, they just wanted to hear um, Black Hole Sun. Although Black Hole Sun, have you ever heard Nora Jones cover of Black Hole Sun? Good stuff. I gotta check that out. Oh my god! Hearing her cover "Black Hole Sun" is what inspired me to cover Four Walled World" because the chord progression is unusual. It's unexpected. It's surprising. It's like not most grunge is you know three four chords mm-hmm. and it's very predictable. And I love grunge. Like I'm a grunge baby. Cut my teeth on that shit. I could listen to grunge all day, every day for the rest of my life and be very, very deeply ten or never mind. Yes, and Bush, no, no, Alice in Chains. What ten or never mind? Which you got to be. You're one camp or the other. Mm, I'm 
I'm not going to be in the Nirvana camp. I'm sorry. I'm not either. Okay. But um, it's totally fine if you are. Like, whatever. I respect them. Yes. Same. Right. Same. Very much so. But Alice in Chains is really my... They're my jam. But um, if you listen... Like, I think Bush is brilliant, brilliant songwriting. But there's fucking three chords in every song. Yeah. Right? This is Glycerine, that band. Yes, okay. and I cover that on the piano. Do you too. really? I turn it into a fucking torch song. It's extraordinary. Okay. It's extraordinary. Um, but it's three chords. Yeah. Right? Um, Have you watched? But what Chris Cornell did in his solo career was so complex and so in- smart. Yeah. Just yeah. smart and um, and complicated and beautiful and unpredictable and wild wild shit allison changed it some pretty wild i just gonna so have you watched i'm sure at some point you have but you should revisit it as soon as possible uh nutshell was was their opener to their to their unplugged set yes i got it's insanely good so fucking amazing like fucking mind-blowing stuff i mean and jerry cantrell and Just, they're all dead. These beautiful people are um, all dead. I know. Um, that song, These that beautiful that, tortured souls. That version is like right at four minutes. Yeah, I know. It's right at four minutes long, and uh, Cantrell in that unplugged version does this like forty-second acoustic guitar solo, where he just just running right up the. Oh my. God, it's so fucking good. And Lane and, comes out. And there down. are harmonies. Like, if you listen to the harmonies on a song like Rooster, mm-hmm. nobody, nobody was singing those harmony intervals before Alice in Chains. No. That was groundbreaking yeah. shit. Yeah. Groundbreaking shit. Brilliant. So. I'm sorry. You can tell. What I get excited yeah, about. Yeah, it's all you don't have to apologize. Mm-hmm. Um Dirt was I have to I have to rank that up there okay. with Temple of the Dog. Dirt and um Benefit by Jethro Tull. Okay. Globe Sessions by Cheryl, Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. Title by Fiona Apple. Okay. And my roots in Pink Floyd, The Wall and Dark Side of the Moon. But you, like I said, no hesitation. Dark side was yeah. what you. Well, where, why, why such conviction? Why so certain? To me, the whole point of music is to invoke a feeling, an emotion, right? Mm-hmm. If a song does not take you someplace different from where you are right in this moment. It's not doing its job. And I want to be transported. Like, that's what I seek. Dude, I mean. That's what I seek from music is to be transported. And that's probably because I'm an alien. Like, I don't think I really am of this earth. I think I came from somewhere else. And that's probably why I'm attracted to this kind of music. Um, I tell you what, we we talked earlier about um, the image that I was that conjured for Forged in Fire. There's by the time you get to this point 
on Dark Side of the Moon. You're deep, deep late in the album. It's almost over. The 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 range of things that you have heard and experienced, especially if you're plugged in and like maybe eyes closed or at least listening alone. But by the time you get to um actually this is in times so in times like track four, I think. But anyway, uh there's that's still a lot to have taken in in this record. Um and the song's winding down and all of a sudden he says, Home, home again. I like to be here when I can. When I come home cold and tired, it's good to warm my bones beside the fire. And I like, I see, I heard just now and every other time I've ever heard it, I see that parlor with like a dog on a dirty rug next to him and some muddy boots. And he's, it's cold out and he's tired. The and, vibe that you get from that song is what I feel when I sing Sweet Night and what I hope to convey through the instrumentation. That was, like, I mean... That is the vibe that I'm going for. I still like Forged and Fire and I like uh, Marked and I like everything else, but... Do you want to but, know who inspired the end of Forged and Fire where there's that vocal round that's happening? Yeah. There's those four vocal yeah. parts that are intertwined and Including you. Yeah. Because there's three, three additional parts of mine, oh, and then Carter okay. sing okay. a part, which I hadn't even conceived of. He's, we're recording it. We're in the studio, and he's like, "Wait, Tanya, I hear a part. Can I sing a part?" And I was like, "Fucking sing it!" And he sang his part, and I was like, "That's great. Add it to the song." Do you know the inspiration for the end of that song? Hmm. Are you familiar with the Indigo Girls? I mean, ish. That's Melissa Etheridge's outfit. No, that's not Melissa Etheridge. Before, at same, they came out. They hit the scene at the same time, but it's, she was never an Indigo Girl. No, she was not an Indigo Girl. They were just at the little affair together. Indigo Girls, beautiful, um, huge acoustic guitar sound, and extraordinary creative harmonies, smart harmonies, right? And these are harmony lines where they're really two melodies are woven together mm -hmm. to create a harmony. And to me, that is beautiful harmony. Yeah, writing, okay. Right? It's not just, I'm singing an A, and so when the harmony part comes in, they're gonna sing either the third or the fifth. Sure. Right? No, these are two completely independent melodies that are woven together to create a whole new. Wow beautiful sound right and this is what the indigo girls were tremendous at so they wrote a song where the whole like final third of the song is that same layering motif of vocals where they're layering four different vocal parts and michael stipe from rem this sounds familiar sings the male part okay that was the inspiration cool for me, Very cool. to that section of that song, I wanted to create something similar because I just love that. Yeah. I love how it builds. I love the climax. I love how it all works together yeah. to create something bigger than itself. Um, mm -hmm. All right. So you made this that. silly, silly decision to release one track at a time. Uh, and now, so now... 
they're now one's at marked is first, right. and then now and, you've and actually gotten a sneak sweet night is two. The one I haven't released yet. And then is there a third? There is a third, and I haven't recorded it. Okay, yet. I need to go back into the studio. There's a third. It's so are you? Oh, did, okay, are but you, I have to get these out before the new stuff can I, come I, in. I, that's how it works. I feel in the my same body. way. Yeah, I know. Um, do you? Are, are you like keeping, um, uh, uh, we talked about how a lot of this shit, you're just throwing money at this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, are you being like, are you OCD in the sense that you must keep your music money separate from your, the rest of your life money? <laughs> Do you not book studio time until you've done enough tarot readings to like hand over the fee you, or is it all just. You confuse me with someone who's disciplined and organized. Oh yeah, oh, see. Fuck no, okay. I don't do any of that. <laughs> I, I book studio time when I feel the urge and the vibe and I just assume and pray that the money will be there when it's time. And it always is. That's amazing. Do your have your kids listened to your stuff? Oh my kids don't give two flying fucks about what they haven't listened to anything. They don't listen to anything I do and they don't care. And that's totally fine. My kids are their own people. Do they get it? That no. what you're out doing? No. What are they into? Um, 16 and 18. 18? Almost 16 and 18. My Eight. son is trying real hard to graduate high school. Okay. It's not going well. Okay. You told me a year ago that your daughter has had some, uh, I think, I think you told me your daughter has, has had some challenges. I can't remember. Have. Okay, they both have. We've spent a lot of time in the psychiatric hospital in that, the last that's two That's right. Both of them. For a second, I thought you were going to say therapist's office, but nope. Oh, that's the least <laughs> of our worries. Those are the good times over the last two years. Oh, um, man. You know, they're they're just trying to find their way. Sure. And I'm just trying to love them through yeah, it. Yeah, the, I'm assuming they feel loved from mom and dad oh my gosh yes i i i think so i believe so they tell me they do um what are they into what what bring what puts joy in their heart like joy like music puts joy in yours i know right i don't think they've that's what they're trying to figure out yeah okay i don't think they found that and i think they feel pressure to find it and i don't when I was their age, but I didn't get there till I was fifty. Don't worry about it. Right, or whatever, exactly. forty-six. I don't when know. When I was their age, I had no idea who I was and what yeah. made me happy. Nor did I know what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I feel like there's all this pressure to have that figured out. Yeah. I'm still figuring it out every day. That changes yeah. for me. Yeah. And what I want for my kids is to feel the freedom and the space to explore that and to figure that out in their own time. And to just trust that um, that joy is waiting for them and available to them, and um, you might not joy know what is form for them. They don't need to look for joy. Joy is looking for them, right. and when they settle into who they are, it will find them. Right. So um, that's that's. I, I hope. I hope that you're actually, whether it's verbally or otherwise, conveying that message and that they're receiving it. You know, because you could argue that is like your biggest task as a as their mom, right? 
the food and I the... was confused about what my task as a mom was for the longest time I was confused right I thought it was to like um well certainly feed them and clothe yeah, them and provide that, that them part's and easy them alive like the first year of their lives yes keeping them alive was hard I didn't well yeah. I didn't know that I could actually do that um we're all here it's okay but I'm understanding that my role as their mom, like I'm growing into that role as they're growing up. My understanding of what that means changes every day too. And I used to think that my job was to provide like a framework and a structure and discipline and motivation and a pathway and a vision and um, avenues and that's not my job at all. I mean, it's your job for well, like little blips. I can see the pathway that I can see, but I can't see the pathway that right, they right, to see. Right. I can't see that, right? That's for them to find. And my only job as their mom is just to love them right where they are and who they are and how they are in this moment. Yeah. Because all I can ever do for them. That's all I ever want to do for them. Yeah. And that is so fucking hard. Yeah. It's, I mean. It's so hard. I've had to learn. Why do we have to learn how to do that? That should be automatic. And it's not. We have no idea how to do that as parents. Yeah. We have no idea how to do that. I know. I mean, uh, 11 and 8. You know, and I've learned so much in the last 11 years, especially the last 8 years. To a point where you're like, ah, this is cruise control. And then I'll just, it doesn't, it can be the smallest thing, the thing you never saw coming, whatever. And all of a sudden you go, fuck have I been doing? Like, I've been, this whole time, I've been overlooking, you know, the the littlest kernel that turns out to hold the most value and will be the most impactful. So I've been trying to do all this, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know. When I look back at my childhood, like the things that are the most meaningful that have lasted and stuck with me and been like a guiding light and a and a safe like a sacred space for me, singing with my dad and my brothers. Of all the things, right? Of all the things that my parents my mom separately from my many dads. Right. Like, I don't want to discount or discredit any of the millions of things that my parents did to provide a life and a path and a dream and opportunities for me and support for me. Oh, my God, so much. And the thing that I look back on that is the most centering and inspiring and that fills me with the most love and joy is singing harmony in the backseat of a car with my dad and my brothers on a road trip to you know new england (laughs) that's the shit that sticks with you yeah yeah and so i try to remember that as a parent like it's not it's not the big stuff it's not the big picture stuff it's not preparing them for college it's not you know 
um, getting them recruited as a soccer player. It's not all that shit. None of that matters. None of that will be, none of that is what they'll remember. They'll remember, you know, me singing Baby Beluga to them. Baby Beluga? That was my song with my daughter. Okay. When she was, when you would like, okay. That's what, that's what will stick with her. Right. Man. Rafi. They are such a trip. Kids are. Um, Okay, so how, who told you about band camp? My brother Joe. That's right. He was telling you about all the things. He told me all the shit I had to do if I was going to be releasing music. Because so I went to your thing and I saw it opens up that and I was like immediately the American Pie line. This one time at band camp, I put my flute in my pussy, (laughs) you know, or whatever she says. I was like, what? What? And but then, so then I looked it up, and if you if you've ever gone to their website the main website yeah, yeah. it gives a lot of uh kind of like a book we'll have quotes from a lot of people talking about how great band camp is it's the best the one at the very top speaking of chris cornell is a quote from prince and he said uh what did he say music is Music is healing. Write that down first. Like somebody was starting, reaching out to him for an interview or they were sitting down to do an interview and that's just like the first thing that he said. Like before you start asking me questions and writing down all these other things, write this down first. Music is healing. And I was like, that first of all seems so Prince and also really kind of fits. Like I... I was done doing band camp research. I was like, oh, this is perfect for Tanya. Music is healing, right? That down first. So, <sighs> Sweet Night, is that, that's the name of the track? That, that, mm-hmm. What, when, mm-hmm. when will it come out? When I feel like releasing it. Well, I thought. When I feel like Marked has lost oh, momentum. Oh, okay, gotcha, yes. Pick up another wave. It's all about catching. It's like I'm a surfer mm-hmm. on the hang, wave hang of 10, bro. attention. Yeah. Well, I mean, marked. It's very different from marked. Mar- yeah, you see, you. Like I remember polar you. Polar fucking yeah. opposite vibes. Um, you mentioned when you sent them, you, mm-hmm. you, te- you then you texted and you're like, mm-hmm. they're so different. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, it would suck if they were like really similar, <laughs> right? But would it? Because sometimes I think as an artist, I should have an identifiable, recognizable sound. Like if you heard me on the radio, you'd be like, oh, that's Tanya Sieber because I have a sound, right? Like Chris Stapleton has a sound. Okay. But I don't, everything I write is so completely unique. And again, it's because I'm not, I don't think I'm the author. Right. Well, you can have a sound, just, I suppose, but it's there's nothing wrong whatsoever with having vibes all over the place. Well, you I know? hope so, because that's where it's going. Right, right. So... I produce what I receive. You said, did I ask you, the third song is is ready, but you haven't recorded it? Mm-hmm. I'll I mean, go back in and record it when I have some time. Okay. So when you so so for that you need time, but 
you all this talk about having to get it out to make room for right and by the time i go in to record that i'll probably have new material because i'll i have gotten two songs out and that has created space okay for more to okay come in. so what if marked what i mean i and i feel you with the surfer analogy but i mean mm-hmm. it's it's also entirely possible that marked doesn't necessarily lose momentum i mean it could could ride that for a while i don't know i mean i have no idea i don't know if people connect with that it's weird it's a weird fucking song yeah. oh you think? oh it is um it's weird it's different it's like when i listen to it i think of a marionette really mm-hmm. isn't there ta- like a creepy marionette with x's for eyes mm-hmm. it's very it's like ice picks isn't it's there like cold it, it's a very cold steely um mechanical sounding song yeah but uh, did, is there are there lines in there or did you say something about uh the marks were made by some there's somebody else's marks so the song lyric i mean if you look at the lyrics um it's really an introspective consideration of what the experience of being loved and loving does to us over the course of our life like what marks that experience leaves on us what marks we leave on other people whether those marks last briefly or last a lifetime whether we mean to leave marks or not mean to leave marks and are you familiar with the plague the plague the plague as in like bubonic Mm mm-hmm like black and black. So you know the fairy tale or the ring around a rosy pocket full of posy. I mean, I feel ashes. like there's a creepy. We all fall down. You've heard that, right? Yeah, like in a creepy Do horror movie. Do you know movie. the origin of that? No. Song? Um, it comes from the plague era because when people were stricken with the plague, the way that it would first show up, the fir- way that it would first manifest physically, was a ring, a red ring around a rosy spot on their skin. And when that would show up on your body like a tattoo, then you knew that you'd been infected and you're probably going to die. Sweet. Ring around a rosy, pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes. We all fall down. It's a very grim little song. I feel like, we all we all grew up singing yeah, this, right? Fun, and you all fall down. Uh-huh, right, but and then, it, it's whimsical sounding. But there's just like a, that song has a whimsical instrumental element. Yeah. It feels like a merry-go-round, right? It feels like carnival music. Yeah, I right? thought it feels of, whimsical, but. When you're marked with the mark of the plague, it's either going to kill you or it's going to lay you so low that for the rest of your life, you're grateful that you are a survivor of it, right? Yeah. And so that was really the inspiration for the lyrics. 
for that song. And it was a play on that little kid's um, nursery rhyme. That's what that was. It's a nursery well, rhyme. Well, you know what I heard. Why the fuck did we sing that shit as a nursery I rhyme? That's dark and you know horrific. What, when I heard when it started playing, and I was mm-hmm. I heard that classical piece. For Elise. That's those first few. Yeah, I was like, whoa. Beethoven. Okay. Well, I'm not surprised that you would hear a classical. I mean, that's my training. Right. I have a classical yeah. piano training, yeah. so that would have come through. But, you know, I think of our experiences in love as plague-like, you know? It affects us all. It hits us all. Yeah. And some of us survive, and some of us just never get over those marks right right okay so that's where that song comes from (laughs) it's darker than you thought it was huh uh no i mean perhaps yeah 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 with all that ring around the rosy backstory for sure but i i the dark a portion of the darkness was delivered you know when i yeah you can stop singing that now. <laughs> I swear there's a horror there's a shit. horror movie. I'm telling you that track is going to show up in the next like great Freddy Krueger. There is it already is. Maybe. Well, there's a I swear there's a scene in like a Nightmare on Elm Street where there's like a little girl on a street corner and, on the fucking tricycle. It's that the song. tricycle okay. scene okay. from okay. Ah! Stop it. Now I'm never going to make it home. <laughs> Tanya Siever found cut to 170 pieces <laughs> on K10. Um, all right, so we gotta um, it's some creepy shit. We gotta tell uh, tell everybody where stuff is one more time. Okay. So the way I got there was mm-hmm. from your Instagram, which okay. we discovered was Tanya Siever dot music on Instagram. On Instagram, and then, and then in your bio, people can reach your Bandcamp. But Tanya Siever dot Bandcamp. And that once you're there, just like my website, you can have access to the record and the single. Yes, the record you can, and you can also download just individual songs from the record. Right, or you can download the whole record, or you can download the single, or you can buy the CD. In which case, I get a little notification that you've ordered the CD. Fuck, I gotta go to the post office. I put in a little envelope and I mail it to you with a little handwritten card that says "Thank you, I love you" and a pair of underwear. (laughs) And a six-day-old pair of underwear. (laughs) Bonus. Um, (laughs) Bonus track. (laughs) So, uh, and you do have a YouTube? I have a YouTube channel. Tanya Sieber Music is my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And I've made some videos. Uh Four of my songs I actually made videos for, and I put them on my YouTube channel. And it's really, those are fun. I love I'm going to do more videos. Okay. So how, what, is there a way for in any of your... St- this is my YouTube, Tanya Siever Music. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tiny no Sie- glasses in those pictures. Right, right. Uh, so what is the video portion just like stills while the audio plays? Yeah. So okay. I just have grabbed some still sure. images. Some of... So the video for Fort you should watch the video for Forged in Fire because you like that song. I did. A all, lot. All it was of my favorite the images on the in that video 
are my family photos from oh, cool. when I was a baby nice. and a kid. It shows me and my brother growing up together So in our crazy, scary, dangerous, toxic household. Yeah. Um, you should watch that video. Where uh, is there a place? Uh, so you have a Facebook also. You have a YouTube, an Instagram, a, mm-hmm. ba- a band camp. You mm-hmm. have a Twitter or anything else? I do, and I post things occasionally on my Twitter. Occasionally. What's your Twitter? I have four followers on Twitter. Okay. Maybe, maybe you'll get five after this. You know? <laughs> I'll follow you. That'd be great. My Twitter. I have to remember what my name is. Tanya Sieber Music. It's at Music Sieber. At Music Sieber. At Music Okay. So on one of these Twitter. platforms... Mm-hmm. If I if we were to wrap this up and I was to go to like follow you or subscribe, what are, on which one is going to give me a notification for when Sweet Night comes out? Yes. Oh, you should probably follow me on Bandcamp. Follow you on and Bandcamp. subscribe on my YouTube channel. Okay. You can become a subscriber. How? It's easy. When you go to my channel, you just hit subscribe. Yeah, no. I... And anytime I put a new video up, you'll get a notification. Well, but will you put a video up for Sweet Night, like right when it comes out, or will it take some time? So or DistroKid automatically produces a video on YouTube. That's cool. But all it is is a picture of whatever photo you've uploaded with that song. Hmm. And it's that it's just the photo okay. of you. And then the song. Okay. But they do that automatically for you. So that gets generated. It's content that's generated magically. I don't have to upload anything to YouTube. One less when thing. When I that... upload it to DistroKid, it shows up on YouTube as a video, even though it's just a still photo. Sure, sure. That's cool. You get that? Yeah. It's all synced. So Sweet Night it's is magical. recorded. It's coming out. Mm-hmm. Third track will be whenever you... Get around to getting Find time to get back to Wellington, right? To record it, mm-hmm. um, and then how do people find you for the tarot stuff? Mm. My tarot handle is Hummingbird Tarot. You can find me on Facebook or okay. Instagram. All right, Hummingbird Tarot Joy, and this is, is like my Instagram. Somebody comes, you meet in real life and you're like I do a lot of readings over Zoom now okay. I started doing that in COVID and that actually works great because we see each other on the screen I can record it and send you a audio recording of your reading which that's so helpful to not go back and listen tarot to Tarot is later. not the same thing as palms No, tarot is not I, what, what I go, read a tarot Cards deck. Cards mm-hmm. uh, Okay It's a very intuitive process right mm-hmm. does it come with a free pair of panties also or no, six just day six panties. six day also okay i like consistent across the board <laughs> what are we forgetting i don't think we're forgetting anything this has been so fun i felt like i should have prepared for this interview like what the fuck am i going to talk about and i that aren't you glad you didn't now we talked for hours about I mean, everything and nothing we're rolling up on three everything and yeah. nothing um, but I mean, this is, if this it's is so great, good, good. I mean, you I know, you know, this. uh, so getting the space ready, getting the, get, ma- I made this table, which I'm not a handy person. You made this? I made it. Yeah. Out of a it's door. It's a little tall for me. Well. I'm kind of short. I was afraid that being a short person that I would 
shoot the wrong way and then <laughs> so you went tall just you overcompensated you, can, you could crank your little thing and raise you up in the chair a little bit oh but done good that. good to know for next time that. um but you know g getting the gear and then learning what the fuck i'm doing and overcoming mm -hmm. obstacles mm -hmm. um none of that none of any of that surprised me more than when i finally after talking about it for a year, was ready. And, and you did it. your first interview? And I started getting no's. Like, including from people that last year were like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And Who gave, would say no to and this? And gave me records. This is the most fun night I've had, like, in forever. People that want to be... Who would say no to this? People that want to... That envision themselves as private people. People that don't... And this, these are my theories. I don't know. Oh. People that don't, uh, they're terrified at the idea of seeing their face or hearing their voice. Oh. I, I mean, oh. I don't, like that was not an obstacle. I knew all the other things would be challenging and of different, varying degrees. You didn't think people would say no? No. And oh. I'm, I mean, my list is like. Shit, this has been so fucking fun. Well. Like, I want to encourage all of your listeners, when Blair invites you to come do the podcast, say yes, because this has been a dreamy experience. Well, thanks. Thank it's you. been so great, so Good. rewarding, so fun, so easy. Well, and delicious. Yeah. I loved every minute. Yeah, man. Uh, say yes when he asks you. Yes, you heard it right here. Only uh, if you're an inherently interesting person, though. Right, if you're lame and change your underwear every day, don't say Don't it. say yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm getting, you know, I get better with each episode on the on the back end. But oh, I think it, you're very good at this. Editing and getting it up and out. Oh. So a couple the days. interviewing process. I don't know how you are at editing, but you, it's you're time consuming. excellent interviewer. Thanks. Thank you. This has been effortless and flawless and easy and intuitive. and That's really. I feel like I'm in a Pink Floyd song. Right, right. This whole it helps, three hours. It helps to f know that you feel that. Because leading up, I'm always anxious as what? fuck. Yeah, I'm like, do I want to have uh, a cocktail and a Xanax and a bat hit? <laughs> or should I jerk off and take a nap? I'm not sure what's going to... Oh, you're so good at this. <laughs> thanks, you were born thanks. to fucking do this. Well, I mean... Blair. Born to we'll, do this shit. We'll see if, uh, you know, if I can turn some of those no's into well, yeses. Or let me think about it. Let me get back to you. Well, um, the hockey gloves behind you are especially... That's my first pair. Really? And I'm I'm, I'm I'm about to have to retire my second pair. And if if you've never, I didn't know that getting gloves palmed was a thing. What does that even mean? What does that mean? So after a while, I, and a long while. <gasps> oh my god! Yeah. yeah. That happens. Yeah. They I mean, just fall apart like that. Totally They're just shredded. Yeah, and then just hold them up for the camera. Make sure the camera can see that. Wow, that's not safe. No, well, it's one that's thing to tolerate holding a stick. It's another thing if somebody else's stick hits you mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and your fingers, because mm -hmm. that's not mm -hmm. that doesn't feel good and at it's all. Cold. It's so cold. Well, you know, you're moving around your bloods, but your hands aren't. Still, ooh, wow, 
I had no idea. Yeah. So uh, I'll be I'll be retiring my second pair of gloves soon because they're moving in that direction. You can ship them off and have them repalmed. I'm like, I don't think I'll just re-palmed. get a new pair. Yeah. That's what's happening in my life right now. I'm being repalmed. Wow. Okay. Um, there's some kind of, I don't know what the joke or the connection to tarot, all that stuff. Uh, okay. We, we talked about where, where the tarot can stuff find can my, find. Yeah. They and, can find my tarot. They can find my album. Okay. Um, yeah. Or they can contact you and then you can put them in touch with me. That's right. If they want anything, that's right. Just email me. We can text. We can okay. chat. I'm a super great pen pal. All right, yeah. Who did you say at the beginning? Somebody Stan from the Stan Farley. I never finished that story. Stan Farley, who came to one of my Solar's shows, this band that I joined, right? And he came up to the stage at the end of the set, and he's like, "I've always just loved the bass, and I love bass players, and I just I wanted to introduce myself and say how great I thought you were." And we exchanged emails and became pen pals. And Stan Farley. He was my very first supportive, encouraging fan. Okay. When I first recorded songs, I would email them to him, and he would say, Tiny, these are great. They're so great. Keep going. Keep going. And when I released my album, he I'm telling you, he makes all my CDs, like physically produces my CDs for me. Really? Because I don't have that technology. Right. He makes my CDs. He ships them off to radio stations all over the world he promotes my material i've gotten airplay in australia because of him wow. i got airplay in an interview in um the uk because of him cool. he i got featured on coast to coast as an emerging artist at the beginning of january this year all of this is possible because stan farley believes in me and sends my shit all over the place yeah we got Carter, we got the Schlatterback. The Schlatterback boys. Stan Farley, Stan mom, Farley. brothers, father yes. of your children, your children, your grandmother, My the vessel. who gives me the songs. Nick James for the photography. The photographer, yes. And friends and family. Those are the liner notes. Man. It's all right. It all happened. You didn't, I, I was a little harsh on you by saying you did a terrible job giving credits on your liner notes. It turns out you did just fine. And I, I thought I got everybody in I, there. Well, I thought there were I thought there was like five musicians per track playing no, instruments it's me and that Carter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so just me I have to Carter. take I have to take that back. You did you did a fine job. Thank you. Tanya Sieber, thank you. This was so much fun. We'll do it again sometime, maybe. Maybe my next album, although I don't do albums anymore. Yeah. You need to rethink that for okay, sure. Okay, maybe. All right. We'll talk to you. <laughs>